Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original Biz Dad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the Biz Dad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Biz Dad Podcast. Uh, today, we have the... I'm, I was going to say pleasure, but after the what just happened before we started recording, I'm not sure I want to say pleasure anymore. But we have, I guess, the ability to have Jamie Gruber on the podcast today. So, uh, no, it is an absolute pleasure. Um, Jamie and I have known each other for, I don't know, like, I don't know, five years, something like that, with between a couple of different masterminds that we've been in. Um, but uh, I'm really excited to have Jamie on. Uh, you know, he's another Go Abundance guy, another uh, another real estate uh, business owner, that type of guy. So I'm looking forward to, to having a good conversation with him. So to to kick it off, Jamie, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, uh, what kind of business uh, slash businesses uh, you're involved in, um, and yeah, we'll start from there. I am a 13 year, almost 13 year, happily married man. My wife Sylvia uh, and I met each other while working together in Boston. She actually worked for me. And then I claimed her because that's just, mm, very just how I roll. Yeah. Yeah. We have uh, we have two young boys, eight and five. Uh, Sebastian, both yeah, both boys. Uh, Sebastian's eight, Julian's five, and they are a lot of energy. They're a ton of fun. Uh, we've had we we have this little family thing. We call ourselves the G Four at the Gruber Four, and each of us is born in a different place. So I'm born in New York. My wife was born in the Dominican Republic. My first son was born in Boston. My second son was born in Michigan. But fun fact. If you consider your dog's children, we have two of those as well that are 13 and 11. They also were born in Boston. So we have three of the G6 in Boston, but of the human G4, mm-hmm. there's, uh, nobody lives in the same place. So that's us. We are, um, we are a, at this point, I guess, a nomadic family. We can get into that. And we, yeah, we enjoy a lot of time together. As far as my businesses, so I, I'm a little bit, a little bit all over the place, but getting more and more, uh, more and more. I don't know, closure or focus on exactly what I do. So here's how I would say it. I'm going to start with podcast. So my first business is, or the top of my funnel, if you will, to in, in my world is I host the Tribe of Millionaires podcast. It's in partnership with GoBundance. I've been a member for four plus mm-hmm. years and a lot has happened in my life that I credit GoBundance for. So I partnered up and have done some, I have some businesses with them. So people get to know me through the podcast. When they know me and like me enough, they tend to join uh, uh, the Emerge, GoBundance Emerge community, which I own. So GoBundance Emerge is sort of the feeder program for future millionaires. We create whole life millionaires, I like to say, and people will join that. From there, some will come to retreats or events that I host. Um, I host an event down here in the Dominican and some other ones like that. And after that, you know, when people know, like, and trust me enough, and they've become millionaires and they've had some financial success and they've got money to invest and they're looking to invest it, oftentimes they say, well, hey, I don't know anybody else, but I know you. So why don't I invest with you as a multifamily operator? Um, I'm partnered with Quantum Capital. We invest in value add distressed BC class workforce housing, multifamily housing uh, in Denver, Austin, a little bit in LA. And that's kind of the funnel of my business, if you will, or all of my businesses in one funnel. And that's 
I think the nutshell of it. I can go longer. That's but- awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I've known you for a little while. I know you can go longer. That's for sure. Um, so that, that's funny. My my family, we uh, we just had our third kiddo, and uh, we're basically the same way. Like we, I was born in New York. My wife was born in Florida. My youngest or my oldest was born in Georgia. My middle child was born in Japan, and my third child was born in Florida. So uh, now we have two Floridas: my wife and the the littlest one. But it seems like every time we move, um, uh, God says that we're going to have another kid. So yeah. Here, here we sit. Here it is. I, I think this is our last move, which means it's probably going to be our last kid. So we'll uh, we'll call it from there. But there you go. Um, I like the G four and the G six though. That's uh, that's fun. Um, <laughs> I heard that somewhere. It's not my original thing. I forget where or who. So apologies to whoever I ripped it off of. But uh, I liked it. I was like, yeah, you know, it's a good way to good way to bring us together. That's funny. It's good stuff though. But yeah, you got a lot of uh, business stuff. Obviously, um, real estate focused there in the end on the bottom part of your funnel. Um, uh, but you know, it's, it's, that's how we initially got to meet each other was through some real estate stuff with uh, Wilbur Profits team over there, Jake and Gino, which was awesome. Um, yep. And then, uh, and then, you know, meeting up each other, meeting up with each other again now in, in GoBundance has been a lot of fun. Um, but one thing I haven't seen you in and I would like to is a fan abundance trip. Are you planning to do a fan abundance trip? We got one coming up, you know, in Vermont. So, uh, possibly Vermont. I didn't think of that because in my family, mm-hmm. again, my, my wife's family is all in Boston. Stowe's not too far away. I am going to be in mm-hmm. Vermont. So maybe I can come to a fan abundance event. That's a good idea. I'll have to talk to my wife about that. We've, uh, she's done go wives. Um, I've done a, uh, call mm-hmm. it a pseudo, pseudo fan abundance trip the same week. So my wife went to the go wives event in Asheville, North Carolina. That same week, I took my two boys yeah. down to Austin with Sergio, um, some other guys, you know, Sergio, Mo, Shamil, uh, yeah. Mike McCarthy, David Osborne, uh, somebody else was there. I can't think of who right now, but we all brought our kids down there and uh, we did sort of like a fan abundance informal outing while our wives were all together in Asheville. So it was fun, man. The kids got to know each other. Uh, great conversations for the dads. So yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to talk to my wife and mark the calendar. That wouldn't be a hard trip to do. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, I look forward to it. The fan bonus trips are a good time. Um, yeah. I know that uh, my boys really enjoyed it uh, last time. So, yeah. um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I love the uh, the family stuff. So, thirteen years. My wife and I have been married for thirteen years as well. I've got an eight year old boy just like you. So, there's a. Uh, it'll be great to kind of kind of get together, um, and our yeah. wives can go talk Spanish together while we look at each other and go. I That's think right. I know what they're saying, but um, <laughs> getting better. <laughs> getting better, but yeah, still still not there. Yeah. I mean, well, you live in the Dominican now, right? So mm-hmm. it's got to be yeah. getting a little bit better. But, yeah, yeah, we've been here for uh, about a tell year. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Like, yeah, tell me about that moving to moving the Dominican, right? Because you you did have a W two for a long time, uh, corporate yeah. type W two, and now m- living in the Dominican just doing business stuff. Because uh, you didn't mention anything about the W two. So tell me a little bit about the Dominican and how that kind of happened. Yeah, twenty one years I had my W two. I was an executive at the end of it. I was an executive with uh, Progressive Insurance, big insurance company. Everybody's heard of them, and I was with them from the age of twenty one to the age of forty two. Essentially, mm-hmm. I'm forty four. I'll be forty five this year. My um my start there was as a claims adjuster. I moved up the ranks quickly. I was pretty good at it. You know, I I made some good money doing it. But you know, as each year went by, as each step went by, unknowingly at the time, but in in hindsight. It wasn't for me. It never was for me. I was never a claims guy. I was never a guy who likes to sit down and analyze like why are we why are our costs on Chevy fenders going up this quarter? Like I it's just not <laughs> it's not in my DNA. And I don't I don't really yeah. enjoy it. I know the job is bigger than that. There's people development, there's all of that, and that's all good, but it it wasn't I wasn't born to be that guy. But 
it made good money. I could support my family, so on and so forth. Uh, about five years before I ended up leaving is when it probably hit a crescendo. I actually got the, the job that I wanted moving from Boston to Michigan, executive salary, executive bonuses, executive uh, equity, the whole mm-hmm. nine, making a really, really good living, 400K plus uh, per year. And then I was miserable. I hated everything that I was doing. I didn't want to get that job. It was an extrinsic motivator I thought would fulfill me intrinsically, which we all know doesn't work. So I went into a bit of a depression for that year. It's, it's sort of an odd thing. You know, you're, you're financially in an amazing place. You're supporting your family. You know, you can do what you want when you want, but I felt hollow. I felt, I felt empty. So I found real estate. Like you said, I, I, uh, I, I was mm-hmm. kind of an investor already. I had a, a single family home that was sort of an accidental landlord situation. And right before we moved, ironically, even though I was going for my dream job, my wife and I grabbed two duplexes to burr them in our old hometown in upstate New York, my old hometown in upstate New York. So I had this five unit portfolio all of a sudden. Then I hate my job. And I'm thinking, all right, in order to replace, you know, a few hundred grand a year in income, which was my target, you know, a bunch of duplexes is going to take a while. So I went the route of exploring mm-hmm. multifamily. That's how we met. I joined uh, Jake and Gino's community and you know, bought my first 16 unit, bought a 22 unit with partners, uh, was under contract on another 22 unit, and then pivoted over to a syndication model with Quantum, which we can get into. But along the way, you know, I, I, had, I had stated a vision, especially right before I joined GoBundance, and it was, hey, you know what? I want to design a life where I could travel three plus months with my family anywhere. I don't know why I said three plus months, but that's just sort of, it spoke to me. So I want to design a life that I could travel three plus months with my family anywhere, which meant I was going to have to have time freedom. I was going to have to have location freedom, which meant anything I do has to be able to pretty much be done from a phone or a laptop or something like that. So as I started to build this real estate career and this real estate focus, I learned something about myself. One is I don't love all of real estate. I love what real estate does. I love certain aspects of real estate, but I'm not an operations guy. I'm not an acquisitions guy. I don't enjoy underwriting deals. I know I'm supposed to, but I didn't want to. And it was kind of a, Mm -hmm. okay, here I just chose this path away from my W-2, but I'm not loving all of it. So now what? Well, in there, I created a networking group. And this networking group was really fulfilling for me. It was around real estate. So I was like, okay, well, in the real estate space, I can network. And actually, that networking group was what brought me the 16 unit, the 22 units. It's like, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I can leverage my, my interpersonal skill or my desire to, to talk a lot, like you said a little bit ago with your passive-aggressive insult, that <laughs> I can leverage that in the space of real estate. And then I had a partner who really did all of the underwriting and, and all of that stuff. He was more, more behind the scenes, if you, will, if you will. But even after a certain amount of time, it was like, well, I love, I love real estate. I love what it does. I love these, these sort of branding and inter- these interactions I have and my brand being built and I'm being invited to speak at certain things. But there's only so many conversations I can have about, all right, today we're going to talk about mm-hmm. cost seg. You know, there's just only so many of those I could do. And I really was enjoying times that I kind of went off brand a bit and would talk to people about a bunch of topics, anything from mindset to, to money, to the economy, to you name it. So my brand sort of morphed over to more of like a, like a lifestyle brand, more of a, 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 a holistic sort of, you know, a, a way of it, which again, aligned very much with GoBundance. It's wealth, it's health, it's relationships, it's all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So at a point in time, I had a real estate portfolio. I had my brand that I'm building. I partnered with GoBundance to build a merge. And late in 2020, I got to this, this point where a merge had launched. I was feeling a ton of fulfillment. This is about two, three years after I got the job I hated. Feeling a ton of fulfillment in what we were getting there. People were, were really getting unstuck. They were getting clarity on their vision. They were setting goals. They were holding each other accountable. All the stuff. It's a GoBundance community. All the stuff that you and I mm-hmm. uh, get out of GoBundance. 
And they're giving me this feedback like, yeah, this is amazing, right? By the third month, which was January, two things happened. One, I had a Bigger Pockets episode release. So my Bigger Pockets episode, I think it's like 436 or something, came out January 2021. And the first group of Emerge people, which at the time we did like a three-week course, graduated with all this feedback. Now, the third thing that happened was I had committed to traveling for one month to my pod for that quarter with my family, somewhere warm. We lived in Michigan and we went down to South Florida for, for February, mm-hmm. 2021. And on that drive down is where I really got a lot of clarity. I just had time. I had time to think and there weren't kids and everything. My wife and kids flew. I drove by myself. And in thinking and getting really, really introspective about it, I was like, all right, well, wait a minute. What do I make right now on the side? What do I have saved? What have I built? How much do I believe in it? What are my expenses per month? And this is all not even back of the napkin. This is just like staring at the road and thinking of it. Like, yeah, I think my expenses, add this, add that, like doing math in my head. And with all of that Mm -hmm. came to pretty much the conclusion I was going to quit my job. I actually stopped in St. Augustine and met with Gino. had lunch with him uh, and Mm -hmm. Josh, if you remember those guys. And then after that, Gino's pushing, hey, man, you got to quit. Absolutely. I was telling him what I was thinking. After that, on on the drive down to Hollywood, from St. Augustine to Hollywood, Florida, which is about three, four hours, I, had to, I got a phone call from a friend of mine I used to work with in Boston. And he said, hey, man, I want to tell you about this guy, Paul. Not this guy, Paul. I mean, I knew Paul. I want to tell you about Paul. Uh, just so you know, he went into the hospital last night with some, some chest pains and he just never came out. And Paul was four or five years older than me, healthy, from Vermont, had two kids, a little older than mine, great guy, you know, a guy I looked up to. He was an executive before I was. He actually ended up, after I got promoted, taking a step back. But just a great, great guy. And I just, I just, I placed myself in that moment, like instantly in that situation of his, like his wife and everything. Like I can imagine just for a minute, I can imagine like he's going about his day on Friday. He's got a little bit of, this is Saturday. I got the call. So he's got, he's got something going on. Just something feels off right throughout the day. Goes to lunch. Maybe it's indigestion. Who knows? Comes home, goes to his wife. Babe, I don't know what it is, but just this is something's bothering me. Let's. I'm going to go to the hospital. She's like, yeah, yeah, let's go, go get you checked out. No problem, right? Go to the hospital. He goes in the back. I can picture what she's doing, right? Well, what anybody would do if my wife was back there. You know, you're on your phone. Tomorrow, we got this going on. Sunday, you know, the kids got ballet, whatever. And then mm-hmm. an hour later, two hours later, however long later, a doctor comes out and says, I- I'm so sorry. He didn't make it. And I'm getting chill saying it. And I, I had myself in that moment, in that moment, I see myself in the rearview mirror and I could feel this connection with this, this whatever he is at that point. And it was just like, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm ready. It's time. I went, from, I went from 99% of the way there to target lock, 100% of the way there, quitting my job in that yeah. moment. And I honestly think that was the bigger leap. Going from zero to 99 you can do that pretty quickly. You know, it's, you know, I don't know, you go through a couple of days of thinking, but that leap from 99 to 100, that's big. And I think about, you're a military guy. I think about like Top Gun, the, the movies. <laughs> they don't fire. They don't fire, right? Until they have target lock. You see the, the red diamond bouncing around on the, mm-hmm. on the target in the old movie. I don't know about the new one, but the old movie, right? You see the red target bouncing around on there and it's like, it's there to shoot. It's like, no, no, no. No, not until target lock. And I think you have to have that target lock moment to make a move like I did. Throw away 400 grand a year, throw away a bunch of unvested equity, probably half a million dollars in equity that I just poof, just went back to the company because it was restricted stock units. They would vest every mm-hmm. year, but there was always something that wouldn't vest. And yeah, man, I, I ended up going on that trip to Florida. I spent the month there. Uh, the, I got back 
and flew to Tahoe for a GoBundance event. And, and when I arrived home from that GoBundance event, it was March 12th, 2021, uh, because I started on March 13th, 2021, I submitted my resignation. Only reason I didn't do it on the 13th to make it a full 21 years to the day was the 13th was a Saturday. But I gave my resignation. <laughs> I was gone a month later. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a super impactful story. That's, I mean, uh, putting yourself in that, in that position and just, you know, uh, I had to do uh, obviously something similar when I left the military, right? I mean, I'm, I'm throwing away a pension and I'm throwing away the yeah. retirement. Every, like, um, you know, for the military folks, that coveted blue ID card, like when you retire, it's just, yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm completely retired. I'm getting multiple paychecks from the government. I'm walking away. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was tired of not seeing my family. I was tired of bouncing around all over the place. Um, I, I knew multiple people and that, you know, died in war and like never coming home. Right. Like that's, that's a family that is no longer with a dad, no longer with a mom. Uh, and those moments, like you can't, when you really start to think about those things, like it, it puts life into a completely different perspective. It puts family into a completely different perspective. Like it, (laughs) it's crazy. Um, what when you uh, that month you spent in Florida? What how did the conversations go with your wife? And what were your thoughts like looking at your kids playing, you know, on the beach in Florida as you're going through all of the stuff in your brain? Like I would imagine you sitting there on the beach watching your kids. Like now you're you're going 100 miles an hour trying to figure out what is this what is this new path going to look like? How is this working? Like what is my wife saying about this? Like talk me through a little bit of that. My wife is uh, and maybe it's the benefit of her of her background. My wife came from she grew up in the Dominican Republic. She didn't have much. I mean, and her, her bathroom was a hole in the backyard for a, a number of years of her early life. So she's always said it before even I made this decision. She was saying, Hey, look, you know, really, what's the worst case here? We got to get, we got to downgrade. We got to sell our house, get a two bedroom apartment. She's like, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. really, what's the worst case? Now, not every, not every wife or husband might think that way, right? You have a certain level that you, you, you aspire and she doesn't want to go backwards, but she's just saying, Hey, look, the, the chances of that are, are, are fairly slim. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, it was very peaceful as far as the decision. There wasn't a lot of, I told her when I, when she got there, cause again, they flew in, I, they got there after me. They, they flew in a couple of days after I started driving and she was like, okay, as long as you feel like we're ready to go, then okay, cool. So no questions there, no issues there. I got, I got very, uh, conscious of the fact that I need to, I need to create, you know, a life outside of. So for context, I didn't, I didn't have the passive income to walk away from the job. That wasn't my calculus. Mm -hmm. I calculated that I don't take any income from my properties at this point. I'm not taking anything out of it. They're, they're cash flowing, but everything just kind of goes back into the account. Right. But I was like, all right, well, I could take from my five units back in New York, the two duplexes and the single family, the 16, 20, I could take four grand a month. And that was essentially mm-hmm. going to cover base expenses for me, other than food and healthcare. But it would cover a house, car, car insurance, heat, electric, cell phone, Wi-Fi, basic, right? So I was like, well, all right, so we can cover that. I had a hundred plus grand in the bank, so I was like, wow, that's our burn account. So you know, I, I've got that mm-hmm. over time if I need it. So I didn't have the passive income just to step away. So so for me, it was like, all right, well, you know, I just started a merge. That wasn't cash flowing. It's a new business, right? I'm, you know, we made a little money, but it was all going back into the business. So, you know, what do I, what do I need to create here? You know, as I, as I go forward. So I got, I probably got a little too busy that month looking at and talking about and having conversations about how I can build or what I can structure after I leave my job. 
but I was confident that I could. I was confident that, you know, you give me six months without the job or a year without the job in the way, mm-hmm. without the energy and the time spent. Oh my God, I can build everything I have going to, you know, another level. Um, it's funny though, what happens when you make a decision like that? So I made this decision and then two things happened. One, quantum, quantum came along right in that time. So I met Mark Henteman. He's like, Hey man, I, yeah, I'd love to do, I'd love to have you partner up with me and, uh, and be kind of a investor relations marketing guy on this general partnership team. And I mean, he's a, mm-hmm. whatever, $150 million in assets at that point, we're over 250 now, but you know, we closed on seven, eight deals in the last year. There's acquisition fees. I mean, I invest most of it back in, I'm, I'm fortunate that I can, but if I needed, there's acquisition fees that I could take right there. Yeah. The other thing is actually go abundance came calling like, Hey, you've got to merge. Um, I just took over the podcast. So I just took over what was called the Go Abundance, Go Abundance podcast. And um, uh, the guy that ran it at the time, Chris said, Hey, we got all these members that are, are, are potential members that no one's talked to. Like they're interested in joining mm-hmm. Go Abundance. Like it's 10 grand or 15 grand to join. If you get these guys to sign up, I'll give you 10%. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to him. I don't even know what that feels like, but sure. So he gives me this list. And even though I had a day job, I, would, I was kind of done mentally. I would just, I would start calling guys like just, mm-hmm. hey, I saw you apply for GoBundance. What do you want to know? Kind of thing. And I ended up having really, really cool conversations with a bunch of guys. I didn't, I wasn't selling anybody, but you know, toward the end of the conversation, I'd be like, oh, okay. So what do I have to do to sign up? I'm like, oh, I'll do this, this, and this. And 17 people joined. So I made 20 grand sitting on the beach in huh. Florida, right? With this non-effort of getting on the phone and just having cool conversations with guys like you. That was really all it was. And that was like yeah. all of a sudden an income stream. So for a few hours a month, I'd get on calls with people that were interested in joining Abundance and I'd make anywhere from five to 25 grand, sometimes more um, in a month that I wasn't expecting to make. So now I had this income stream. Now I had quantum, you know, like these things kind of came when I, when I yep. cleared the thing that was blocking me in the universe, that was blocking energy from, from flowing my way. Might be a little woo-woo, I know. But I really believe in this in the law of vacuum prosperity, meaning you can't have until you remove, right? You have to create a vacuum for good things to fill it. Just like yeah. you can't put a, a new couch where the old couch is until you remove the old couch, right? It's the same thing. You can't put new streams of income and new opportunities when you're blocked by blocking the opportunity with something that you have in place. For me, that was the job. So yeah, I, it, was, it was sort of a, a wash of a month in some ways. Yeah, we spent time on the beach. I wasn't overthinking it. I just sort of mm-hmm. stuff opened up. It was like, I don't know. It's like one of those weird, you should be nervous moments that I wasn't nervous. I'm quitting my $400,000 a year job. Okay. And I wasn't nervous till two yeah. days before I actually resigned. That was the first time I felt nervous, like you know, <laughs> 32 days later. I didn't feel nervous a bit before that. So That's phenomenal. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it a billion times. Like I think the number one relationship that you could have in your life, the number one choice is to have a, a solid spouse. Um, uh, one that's supportive, one that's by your side, one that's you know helping you through life, um, and it sounds like you have one that's that's by far you know very supportive of you and like trusts what what you're looking at and what you're doing. You know, I have a similar conversation with with Raquel, with my wife, and um, you know, like I told her, I said, "What's the worst case scenario? Let's say I failed miserably at every single thing that we do." I said, "You're still in the military. I still get disability pay. We'll make it just fine, and then I'll start something else." Like it is what, what it is. Like we got. What did she you know, say though when you first brought it up? What was her reaction? Um, so it was more of like a, like, what, what, what do you, what do you mean? Like, you've got only X amount of time. So, but I think she knew it was coming. How much, how much time did you have left before you would start getting the blue card and pension and all that stuff? How much time did you have? Four and a half years. Wow. That is close. That is close. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead and start. But I, I think for about three years before that though, the writing was already on the wall. Like she already knew. 
Like she could just see it on my face every day coming home from work. I was getting miserable. Dude. I was not. I was. I wasn't happy, you know. And then, and then yeah. you add into that the like looking at my kids every time I had to go by. Like, all right, I'll see you later. I'm going for another month here, or another two weeks here, or another whatever. Um, you know, and it was just it was exhausting. I love being a dad. So to me, it was like I'm. I am sacrificing what I love to do to go do something that is sapping every bit of joy I have in my life. <laughs> like I, I just, you know, so I think for her, it was, she was already ready for it. Um, you know, she wasn't at the point where she was miserable. She was at a good position in her life to be kind of in, in her career. I should say to separate from the stupidity that I was dealing with um, uh, and not have to deal with the politics one more level up. So like she was sitting pretty well and it was like, all right, well, it, I, I think it's just time. I, I can't keep doing this, but I think yeah, okay, four and a half something- years. There's something in that, though. I get asked this a lot. Like, how do you get your wife on board? And I thought about that question mm-hmm. for so long. Like, I, you know, uh, trying to appeal to logic, I guess. And I, I just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And that's because, not because our yeah. wives are illogical, but they, you know, uh, in many cases, you'll hear this a lot, right? Like, oh, my wife grew up in X circumstance, doesn't want to go back there. Like, my wife grew up in that circumstance and isn't afraid to go back there. But I get it. If you grew up in mm-hmm. poverty or an abusive situation or just always the stress of we, we're not, you know, we're not, we're just scraping by. I get why a, a wife or a husband or whomever uh, would feel that way. And typically, yeah. typically it's more the wife just because I think that's more of a feminine energy, feminine energy thing than a masculine energy thing. Masculine energy is like, I can yeah. conquer, I can go, I can do. Feminine energy is more nurture and make sure, like, I got these kids, I want to make sure they're protected. It's just a different, it's a different dynamic. But what I've arrived at, because I think about like whether my wife was just like this, hey, whatever you want, on board, maybe, but I may not be giving myself enough credit. And I, don't, I think this is f- for, for, creating, for creating this. And this is where I think when people ask, how do I enroll my spouse? I think this is the answer. And you, you just kind of alluded to it. No one can deny, no one, not one human being can deny when they see the look in somebody else's eye. Mm-hmm. You know, like... If you were to see Mike Tyson before a fight in his heyday, no one can deny that someone's about to get hurt, right? Yeah. He doesn't have to say anything. He doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't have to show you. Someone's getting hurt. And it's the same thing, I think, when it comes to when you leave. In our cases, we built something. And we had something that was sucking our energy, that was sapping you know, mm-hmm. the, the humanity out of us. For whatever reason, we allowed that to happen. If you've created something... That your wife can see from afar, like, whoa, when he pivots to that, like, holy yeah. cow, she can't deny that. She won't deny that. You know, mm-hmm. a, 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 a wife, a feminine energy or whatever wants to follow a strong man. I, you know, whatever. I may go Andrew Tate here, but you get my point, right? A strong <laughs> man will lead and a strong wife will know when that man is ready to go. Like, she, she understands mm-hmm. that, right? Like, it's, it's the both of you. It's not like one has, has uh, domain over the other. It's, hey, when, when the man is fully in his secure masculine, like I know the feminine energy can recognize that. So if you want to leave your job or change your life or do something completely drastic, move to another part of the country because you believe you should, and you're saying yeah. your wife's not on board, then I think you have to look inwardly and say, I'm not, I'm not fully committed myself. I might mm-hmm. seem like I am. I might feel like I am, but you're at 99%. You're not a target lock. When you're target lock, no human being can deny. Okay. I see it. I see exactly yeah. where you are. And that's exactly what you just said your wife did. Your wife saw in you like, yeah. okay, it may not be, there might be like logistical stuff around here that doesn't 
feel very good income, you know, blue card, all this stuff. But I can't deny this. I can't deny this energy I'm feeling from yeah. this guy. Would you agree? For sure. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think that it, it even starts. Yeah, if you ask me, how do you get them on board? I think it starts even at dating, right? Like, are you, have you guys had the conversations that, you know, you know, you're comfortable with? Have you throughout your marriage, have you guys been open and honest with each other and talking about these different things? When you start having issues with what you're feeling at work, have you been saying things like, do, does she know the feelings and that you're having about X, Y, or Z, like, so that she can understand that dedication and that drive and, yeah. you know, so that you can speak to her emotional side the same way that you're, you're thinking about it logically. I was just having a conversation with Raquel yesterday about, um, homeschooling, like it's homeschooling. And, um, she was appealing to some emotional stuff. And I was like, I, I need to reset my brain a minute because that's, I, I can't think about the emotional side. My brain doesn't do that very well, but of course that's hers does, which mm. again, if you guys are open and honest with each other and having those conversations, then I can learn to appeal to that and understand where she's coming from. Cause I'm like Spock emotionally. Like I don't, it's, he has one like emotion and it was his mom, right? For me, it's anything to do with my family. Like you bring that, that part into it. Right. But, um, but uh, to me, like that ownership, that buy-in starts at the beginning of your marriage. Like if you, if you guys yeah. don't have that relationship that can support that sort of decision, you're not going to get the buy-in the second that you're trying to get the buy-in. Like this is the, I mean, it's just like, like look at your investor list, right? You're not, yeah. you're, you're likely not going to get that investor to give you a half a million dollars. The first phone call, like you're going to have to get that buy-in over time. You know, they're going to have to have some other, some other relationship built there before you're going to get that, that in there. So, um, I don't know. That's that's my off the cuff thought process on it. But no, that makes sense. Uh, that makes sense. I'm realizing I never closed the loop on this, so let me do that for you and and for your audience here. But oh, oh uh, th three years, uh, three plus months was the objective. We did the month in Florida. I end up quitting, uh, and about <laughs> a year after I quit, it was uh, it was sort of like, well, I mean, we've survived. We've actually thrived in my time out of the job. And this vision's still there. Haven't manifested that vision yet. We did a month in, in Florida, mm -hmm. uh, and then we were going to do a month in the DR. We did a month in the DR. It was January 2022, um, right after Christmas, pretty much into January 2022. And while there, you know, my, my two sons were playing with my wife's uh, cousin's kids, or so I guess their cousins, right? Like we were at my, one of her uncle's ranch. She has a lot of family still down here. Not immediate family, but more extended family. So they're playing, and yep. they can't communicate. Like my kids don't speak Spanish, even though it's my wife's first language. We've just grown up in non-Spanish, like overly non-spanish area so it's hard for my wife to like yeah. oh let me flip over to spanish but whatever but they're they can't communicate but they're playing they're they're interacting it was kind of cool and we, we kind of looked at each other and said should we come here for a year so we came home that was the idea and then you know we, we were we kept talking about it but we didn't really do anything until probably like june um we booked the flights for august of 2022 and uh, we moved down here on august 23rd of last year and we're going back we did one year we're doing one year we'll go back at the end of august but uh we think mm -hmm. our our plan is to settle into like a january february march here um and then back in michigan for the remainder of the year okay so do you do homeschooling then for your eight-year-old and no. now soon soon to be kindergartner no, 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 no. No. So we did well, in of. Michigan, in Michigan, our older one was at Acton Academy. A lot of guys in GoBundance use Acton okay. Academy, which yep. I think is great. Yep. Yep. Uh, our younger one was four. He went for like a week or two. He was just too young for it. So he was in regular daycare. Yep. Here, they went to a Montessori school. So we enrolled them in a, a local nice. Montessori. Um, the younger kids classroom, uh, four or five-year-old was um, all Spanish. The older kids classroom was like 70, 30 English. So you could see it. Like they're both pretty fluent. Mm -hmm. Well, they're both, they're both fluent. 
but the younger one is way more um, skilled with Spanish. Not way more, but he's yeah. you know a- ahead of the eight year old as far as his Spanish ability. But they both have it, which is which we were driving back from a. a a town on the north shore about six hours away and we played a game like family can only talk in spanish and we had this whole like conversation i mean they did and i contributed what i could but it was yeah. really cool it was really cool to listen to them them all like it, you know it may not have been crisp especially from the eight-year-old like as far as speaking mm-hmm. but there was zero zero delays in in being in that conversation uh, every word was understood it was really really neat to watch my wife That's and awesome. two boys for 15 minutes communicate in spanish so yeah yeah yeah, my uh, we had an au pair that was from Colombia. That's right. Yeah, my youngest was like super great with Spanish, and he'd even he'd even know just by looking at you whether he should talk to you in Spanish or English. You know, yeah. he was you know three four years old, and he's uh, three years old, and he's like, yeah, Same this thing. person I could talk in I could talk in English. <laughs> this person definitely Spanish. You know, like at first <laughs> yeah. it was dreadful because he didn't have a clue, and she didn't speak any English at all. Like what a pain it was, but like how quickly they pick up on it, and how you know how how much fun it was to watch him just kind of go and communicate in Spanish. And now, you know, we, we've got an au pair from Brazil. So the Spanish is kind of gone, but the Portuguese, we'll see how that goes. But it's, uh, that's cool. Um, it's a whole different world, you know, but now we're yeah. in Florida, so he'll get a lot of Spanish down here. Uh, both of them. Will, yeah, no so. doubt. No doubt. But, um, yeah, that's been cool. But that's, that's kind of the, the, the icing on the cake or the cherry on top, as far as, you know, why we're in the yeah. Dominican Republic. Yeah. So uh, when you come back, are you planning on going back to Acton Academy? Are you going back to Michigan? Where, what's the plan now? Yeah, back to Michigan. Both kids are already enrolled for September to go to Acton. We get a lot of value out of it. Nice. Neither my wife nor I are homeschool people. We don't have the patience for it, if we're being completely mm-hmm. honest with ourselves. We love being parents. We love our kids. But yeah, we're just not that person. We're not those people. So uh, we, we tend yeah. to outsource it. Public school, though, traditional school right now, it's just it's a nightmare. So um, yeah. we're big. Yeah. We're big fans of of what Acton delivers. It's essentially homeschooling with somebody else doing it. Really, um, it's the same yeah. kind of principle. So yeah, we've enjoyed it. Yeah, it, there was there was one here locally that I was looking at jumping into, and I'm um, uh, still debating it. But I, I like the idea of homeschool because I like to travel a lot, and if I can yank yeah. my kids everywhere I go, that would be well, awesome. You could you, you could know? do that with Acton too. That's the that's what we oh, like yeah. about Acton is yeah. So we're coming back here January, February, March. They'll stay enrolled with Acton. They. The, the mm-hmm. guy that owns our school goes to uh, Costa Rica for like four months a year. Like they acting is, is again, it's like homeschool, but you know, you just offload it a little bit. Talk to your school, maybe, maybe different actions have different policies around this, but the um, you get the in-person social part of it, which I like, you get to like give your kids a break from you and you a break from your kids, which I mm-hmm. like. And when we travel, like we said that, like we plan to travel a lot and he's like, life experience comes from travel so that's what this is about that's what acting is about is life experience so that's one of the reasons honestly was the ability to travel was one of the reasons we chose acting over a montessori or any other option Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense i'll have to relook at it again as a potential option and kind of go from there but um but all right so one thing i did not ask you about but uh it it helped open up the door a little bit and understanding you know who you are tell me a little bit about your dad kind of your upbringing how that worked uh you know um what did he do tell me about just kind of your life growing up uh with your father yeah my dad was uh a plumber he's still alive he's 75 years old uh he was a plumber he worked we lived on long island when i was first born till about the age of 10 i think then we moved to upstate new york um but he he was hardworking. I mean, that's what he did. My dad was probably very, very, uh, I don't know, standard for the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s dad in some ways. Stoic, you know, 
mom took care of the kids. Dad didn't. Dad worked a lot. Um, dad was, was the disciplinarian. You had to choose your own strap. You know, if you, uh, if you screwed up, it wasn't, you know, it, I, I, I find in life that your memory as a child of your upbringing and your parents' memory of your upbringing, like they're both wrong. This, the truth lies somewhere in between. Like what I would see and then say to yeah. them, they'd be like, no, that's not what it was. Like they're not wrong. I'm not wrong, but the truth lies somewhere in between. So to me, when he got mad, man, that belt came out and it was like, you know, 20 lashings, but it was probably like two, three swats on the butt and then it was over but mm-hmm. it, it was terrifying at that age but that was him he was he was uh, we actually said to my parents at my mom at one point my mom told the story recently me and my sister said to my mom does dad have any teeth because he just wouldn't smile not that he wasn't a happy guy or whatever but he's not a very he's not a very outspoken dude he doesn't talk a lot and uh, he'd come home i mean he worked I don't know, 16 hour days, right? And he'd come home for dinner and he'd just sit at the end of the table. Mom made the food, put it on the table. She cooked, she cleaned. He just, you know, ate and brought the money home and he would just eat his mm-hmm. food. He wouldn't say anything, just kind of be there. Um, doesn't mean I didn't have interactions with my dad. We, you know, we play. I remember going to a football game with me, coming to my soccer games from time to time. But he was very much, my parents, both of them, very much believed in a wide gap between the parent and the child. And meaning, you know, like this is parent stuff. You are children. My mother's fam- famous saying is children are to be seen, not heard. Um, and that we mm-hmm. lived that way. We lived that way. Kid, you know, we had a fun life. We, like a lot of people say today at our age, like, oh, I would leave at eight o'clock in the morning in the summer. I'd be home at seven o'clock at night. Like yeah. parents didn't know where I was. That was my life. But my dad was, yeah, he was stoic, um, hardworking. He was a disciplinarian. He also spoiled us heavily because he grew up. His dad was a heavy gambler, heavy drinker. Uh, he had five siblings. He was the second of six. Um, he didn't have any stability at home. He lived with teachers. He lived with friends. Like There was just no stability at home. So I think something that he valued heavily was creating a stable home for us. And part of that was anything we wanted. I wanted a Nintendo. I got the Nintendo. My sister wanted a ring. She got the ring. Like It wasn't... It, what was he making? 40 grand a year. I mean, back then that's good living, but it's not like, you know, we weren't rich. We were middle class, Mm -hmm. but he would find a way all the time. He would, he would spoil, spoil, spoil. That was his thing. That was how he showed love, how he felt like he, cause he had nothing. He wanted to give us everything, but that was him. Still is. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So what, uh, pulling, pulling back from that kind of, what did you, uh, cause you are not, uh, quiet um you're no. you're not uh, uh we 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 all know you have teeth you know you like to smile you like to talk you like too. to go out and do that kind of uh, <laughs> for those of you only listening yes he's showing off his big white teeth so Ooh, i have big um, teeth man. but uh uh tell me tell me like what what is it that you think especially now so for me uh, once i became an adult and kind of started looking at things a little bit differently and understanding where my dad came from it really um helped me understand a little bit more about who he is and who he was and why he was the way he was, um, which helped kind of impact me as far as being a father and where, where I'm looking at. So um, uh, have you had a similar thought process looking back at, at your dad and who he was and where he came from as to why he did what he did and like some sort of a, um, I, I don't want to say reckoning because like, I forget who, who the way it's said or what, what it is, but like when you're, when you're real young, you uh, idolize your, your dad. Um, as you grow up, you start to, you know, disdain, you know, you have some disdain for your father as, you know, you go through your teenage years and early twenties, that type of thing. And then, and then you start to understand and then you relate and then you, you know, you're, you're back to kind of idolizing again. Um, you know, it, it, I don't, I'm, I'm butchering that, but it took no, me a while you. going through that to really understand who my dad was and help me kind of put some perspective on life. Did you have a, a, any similar moments or anything like that? 
kids did it. Yeah, my dad and I didn't okay. have a, a, an estranged relationship in any way. Again, mm-hmm. when we were when I was a kid, um, he was just disciplined. When I got into my teenage years, you know, I just didn't I didn't want my parents around. Honestly, like you know, so you know, he, he yeah. abided by that. You know, he was good about it. I mean, I, he was around, but my point, I don't know, I, you know, they're not cool, right? Like that's what you're doing to teenage years. Yeah. And as I, I became an adult, um, yeah, you know, we just we have a good relationship to this day. We have a good relationship. When I when I got when I became a dad. I, you know, I could, I'm sure all of us have this experience where I can hear myself when I'm, when I'm disciplining my kids or yelling at my kids or talking to my kids, right? I can hear myself. I sound exactly like my father, but I, I guess I could have never understood or, or, um, I could have never appreciated the amount of fear that there is in being a father. So I feel it. That's how I feel. When I, when somebody Mm -hmm. says like, my my kid the other day, we're walking down the street on the sidewalk, my five-year-old, and I am a hawk on that kid, especially him with walking on the sidewalk. It's kind of close to the road. You know, it's not a busy road, but you know, there's cars that go by. And if he steps even a little bit off the sidewalk, I freak. And my wife is always like, calm down. It's going to be fine. But it's fear. So my dad would freak out on us. And at the time I just thought like, ah, he's just like angry. My God, you know, like what is there to be so angry about? But again, he values his family, valued his family so much that it's fear, you know, and I have the same issue. Like I, I, the idea that my kid gets hit by a car with uh, right in front of me, that image, that crazy, disgusting, psychotic Mm -hmm. image is it scares the heck out of me. And because it scares the heck out of me, you know, I don't, I I don't ever want to see that happen. So I will react with rage. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or anger or whatever, but I'll react probably poorly or yeah. overreact in that moment. And for them, I can imagine it's the same as I felt like, God, dad's always yelling, you know, in that situation. And it's like, nah, dad's, dad's scared. And, I've, and the difference is I've explained that to my kids. I don't know if they get it or if they care, but at least I've yeah. said it. My father never, never, I didn't get a, you know, there was no birds and the bees conversation. There was nothing. My dad wasn't that guy. Mm-hmm. My dad was, you were born, you got a room, you got clothes. Leave me alone, right? Like that was kind of his yep. his uh, his yeah. way of looking at it. Um, but yeah, I think I think understanding that fear and, and relating to him from that perspective, you know, like wow, all right, so this guy was just scared. Whenever I did something stupid that could get me hurt, yeah, he was scared. You know, he wasn't mad to be mad. He was scared. He was afraid for me. So that was a yeah. big epiphany. Yeah, that's 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 super valuable to to, to think through. I mean, I think that. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I had a, a, a great relationship. My dad never had any issues, but um, there were always things that kind of left me wanting and I didn't realize why I was left wanting and I didn't realize what, you know, he had zero example of a father. I mean, his his real dad died when he was one or two years old and then he had a wow. stepfather who decided that, you know, he was more, uh, my dad was more of a rag doll than, than uh, you know, a child. So, um, I mean, there were some terrible experiences that he had to deal with. So, like, looking back at it, I go, holy crap, like, he turned out pretty daggum solid, like, you know, considering yeah. where he could have gone, like he turned out really good. Um, and it just gave me such a, a great perspective. So, you know, for me, it, it, to, to your point, what you just said, it makes me want to communicate even more with my children. So they understand yeah. where I'm coming from, why I'm doing the things I'm doing, what's going on. I mean, I, I came this close to having that exact same thing with my child, almost getting hit by a car right in front of me. Um, he just went running right through, uh, right into a parking lot in between cars, not realizing what was doing. And I just, Adam, and he's, Arr! 
stopped and literally the car went right in front of his face. And I didn't know there was a car coming. I just knew he was running into a parking lot. And then it literally like his, he was still sliding and the car went in front of his face. And like my wife and I almost had a heart attack. Like it was one of those, like, what in the world are we going to do? We're out in the middle of nowhere in Japan. Like everybody only speaks Japanese. Like we would be just in a world of hurt, you know? Um, uh, but you know, we had a conversation afterwards and he knew why I did what I did. And there would have been, you know, uh, it's just the way, like for me, I I remember vividly one, one time I, I was up in Lake Placid, New York. Um, it was the middle of the winter and we were up visiting, you know, where the Olympics were and checking some stuff out there. And, um, the family was crossing this, this river, um, this like rather, rather, uh, busy river is not quite raging but it was definitely flowing pretty well i was pretty young maybe maybe adam's age eight years old ten years old um uh and my dad said no you're not going to cross that thing i never knew why i never knew anything i was just told i couldn't do it and then my uncle said hey you can come over here and cross it and i said well you darn right i can and then what do you know adam falls in the dagum river so i fall in the river and my dad comes booking across like leaping through the rocks dives into the water pulls me out of this freezing because it's like january in lake yeah, yeah. that's not exactly a warm location um no. And uh, so he yanks me out of there and I wasn't like, I, I wasn't allowed to ask questions. I wasn't allowed to know anything about it. Nothing. But now looking back at it, I'm like, well, yeah, you, you disobeyed your father. You didn't know what, like at that age, I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but um, it yeah. allows me now to kind of go, okay, well, what was I missing there? And how can I give that to my kids in, in those moments where I'm doing that? Um, you know, and, and I, I guess I, I may have a half more emotion than my dad does, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not you know, but the, but we're also living in an, in an age where masculinity is defined a little bit differently, a little bit more. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, that's true. It's it's a little bit differently, and I think it's gone a little too far to the to the point where masculinity has become synonymous with toxicity. Um, but I think oh, that yes. there's a movement back in the other direction. And when I think of the you know Jordan Petersons, Andrew Tates, people like that, there's a reason mm-hmm. these voices are strong right now because masculinity yeah. is not toxic. It's you know we are we are built the way we are, and we should be proud of that as men. Mask. Yeah. Hold on one second, Adam. Yep. One second, man. I'm so sorry. I think my kids just got dropped off. My wife's not home yet, and I heard them screaming. Are you? You have a good editor. You said <laughs> no right? problem. Put put a time kids, out. Kids up. are welcome. Put- kids are welcome. Um. How do you want me to pick up? Just start at. Uh, oh, uh, you still there? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I got you. Okay. Um. Uh. So here's what I'll say. You were talking about masculinity coming back. Yeah. 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 There's a reason why Andrew Tate, Jordan Peterson have voices. So the thing though, like, so yeah, so I think masculinity has been defined a little bit more healthily now. You know, again, there's a segment of a a faction out there that wants to take it in a different direction, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but it is what it is. Vulnerability is, is part of masculinity, which I think is the healthy part of masculinity. The thing though, I, I, I do wonder about a little bit is are we are we in any way, and I don't know the answer to this, I'll kind of a question for you. Are we in any way like burdening our kids with the explanation? In other words, like at the end of the day, the need to explain why we reacted the way we did, is that really for them or is it for us? And if it's for us, are, are we just using our kids as, as cheap therapy? Um, well, the initial response is no. I think it is for them, but I. But am I saying that just because I don't want it to be for me and you know uh, go yeah. down that route, right? But so I, I guess the way I kind of look at it is that explanation to the kid allows to my to my children allows them to at least understand my perspective. Um, 
and and open up some conversation. And at the end of that, I'm almost always asking, like, does that does that make sense to you, or does that not make sense to you? Do you think that I'm, you know? And I try to make it so there's a there's a conversation piece to it. Um, uh, to me, it helps them think a little bit more logically as well as understand where dad's coming from um, and own up to certain things. Cause sometimes I'm saying it so that I can apologize, right? Like I, I overreacted because of X, Y, or Z, or I'm saying it because I know it seems like I overreacted and I can see it in your face that you're, you're hurt. But if you look at what X, Y, and Z happens after that, if I miss this moment, then that could be a very bad, bad thing. Right. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I guess I guess at the same point though, I could see it being more for me than them, just so that I could feel like, you know, hey, I I, I feel good that it, at least he knows, he understands. You know, I've right, I've, right, right. I've, yeah. I've explained it to him. You know, and I'm not putting anything on my shoulders, right? So, well, I'm just thinking uh, back then, like if know. my father, if my father explained it to me, if he did, if he said to me, you know, hey, uh, I yelled at you because of this, that, or the other, I just I, I'm trying to put myself as a kid. I don't know if I cared. I don't know if I would have cared. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, all I know is I got yelled at. And I don't know what the answer is here, man, by the way. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's healthier to yeah. have had the conversation so they have, you know, recollection of and memory of, oh, I remember dad saying this once. Now it makes sense. Might be when they're 20. Might be when they're 15. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But I do wonder that sometimes. Like, am I, am I um, do I feel guilty or bad? Yeah, I overreacted. And therefore, I need to cleanse and just like dump it on this little body and say, hey, uh, daddy, sorry for how I reacted in that situation. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think it's right, wrong. I just, I just wonder. So, I want to go to the masculinity side again. Um, uh, I'm, I'm completely with you that I think that we, we went down a, uh, we as a, as a general statement, not, not uh, clearly me and you, based off of this portion of the conversation, but um, like this, this toxic masculinity nonsense that has been uh, portrayed. So I spent three years in Japan, and uh, what happened in Japan after World War II is they they vowed to never turn into Imperial Japan again. Like they never wanted to go back to that mindset, that thought process. Um, uh, so uh, like their men stepped away from the samurai thought process, like from the like warrior mindset. Um, and it it actually to to today they're having a hard time even getting men to procreate. Right, like. Men are are having uh, having sexual relations at a much uh, a lower rate um, than ever before. Uh, there are, there's less relationships happening. They're having a hard time doing that. So the the uh, they didn't t- look at it and say it's toxic masculinity to in in the way that we do right now. But they ran away from masculinity in such a way because they did not want to turn into Imperial Japan again. That now they're having a hard time, you know, getting people to join the military. Uh, what are we doing today? Having a hard time getting people to join the military, right? They yeah. were they're having a hard time being able to, you know, to uh, have enough children to be able to to support growth in uh, in the community. So, um, you know, and I'm seeing some of that in what we're doing. We just took it from a different route, right? We took it from. Uh, uh, a toxic masculinity side instead of a hey we we need to not try to you know conquer the world and uh, rape and pillage all the time you know but like living through that and seeing that for those for those three years was just a very interesting perspective to look at what they were compared to what they are um, uh, and I'm hoping that we don't get to a point where you know we're we're struggling with those things I'm hoping that we have this turnaround to be able to go through but how would you say that you know you have two boys how would you say that you want to teach masculinity to them um, uh, as well as represent masculinity, because the way I, I, I like to say it, and a lot of people say it this way, is, is you know, uh, 
the things that we're trying to teach our kids, they're, they're caught, not taught. Like they're seeing what you're doing and that's yeah. why they're going to do what they do instead of what you're saying. Um, so kind of what are your, what are your thoughts on, um, that long diatribe I just had and then what that means for you as a dad with your boys? I completely agree with you. I didn't know about the, the Japan thing. That's really, really interesting. But I do, like you said, tea leaves. There is hard, it is hard to get men to join the military or people to mm-hmm. join the military nowadays. Um, we've offloaded what we would deem to be masculinity to certain people, police, uh, yeah. uh, you know, fire military, right? Like we've, we've outsourced masculinity in some ways. I, um, I, I'm, I, there's a lot there. So my mind is processing part of it when you ask oh, yeah. about my two boys, uh, and teaching them masculinity. I, you know, I think, I think part of, part of, what we have to accept is that what we deem to be masculinity and the attributes of masculinity are natural. And I'll get to that in a moment. But one way, one way that I feel honestly that, that I displayed a level of masculinity to my boys, and this was conscious was uh, when I quit my job, you know, one of the mm-hmm. thoughts that went into this was, you know, you tell your kids, especially my five at the time, you know, my uh, five, six year old, he was five or six. Um, look, but you, you could do anything you want, right? You could be anything. You don't have to, you know, you don't settle for anything in life. And then simultaneously, I'd walk into another room and settle. So there hmm. was an element. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say like, you know, I decided to quit my job because I needed to represent or, or demonstrate for my kids, you know, not at all, but it was an element. It was one of the pieces. It was like, also, if I keep telling my kids, you can be and do whatever you want. You don't need to settle. Then I got to stop set. I got to model that. So it was a very masculine yeah. move to walk away, especially considering wife doesn't work, doesn't have a job. We don't get health benefits from anybody if I walk away, right? There's, it's me. So that was a very, mm-hmm. I think, a masculine way to display uh, what it is to be a man or me, me masculine. Like I made a decision and we're going with it. But on the topic of, on the topic of um, teaching masculinity, so this is a conversation my wife and I had on date night the other night. It was really interesting. So she said, I'm worried with the boys. You know, it's got to feel so burdensome that you know society is teaching them that they like it's like this pressure on them that they need to go and and like you know create and build and and you know take the world and i said that's just being a boy like that yeah that's that yeah. is masculinity but why do you think everything and, they have in their hand is a weapon like they're always correct. ready to conquer or take things <laughs> it's it's in them we're we are conquerors we are gets out of control obviously but we are conquerors mm-hmm. My my wife in that moment we had a really good discussion. Again, it was just a date night two nights ago. So we had a discussion on this, and I said, "Look, I, I it's not a you see it. You may feel like it's a pressure or a burden. This this sense that these boys need to go out and provide and build a life and you know uh, make money and you know take care of a family and protect. Like that's waking up. That's just is. That's 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 yeah. not burdensome. And it's when you say, yeah, right, exactly. When you say to boys." that it's burdensome, now they get that ma- masculinity is toxic because they don't know any other mm-hmm. way. This is what they know. And, and similarly, uh, and this might be where we get into like, what did you just say? But whatever. I think too many women feel the need to represent masculine traits and deny their femininity. Mm-hmm. Part of femininity, a big part of it, just like ma- masculinity is to conquer. And this is, you know, don't follow me. I, you know, I, I, I watch YouTube videos, right? I'm not, I'm not an expert on <laughs> <laughs> but here's my take. Masculinity is to conquer. Femininity is to nurture. So mm-hmm. I know plenty of women 
that have denied the nurture side of themselves outwardly. And they put on a brave face, man. They put on a brave face. Like they're, they're rainmakers. They're, they're, they're doers. They're big time. They're, they're the breadwinner, right? Over the, over the husband. Like they will yeah. not be stifled. And you're like, wow, that is a, that's a driven woman. And she, absolutely she is. That's natural to her. She's a driven individual. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know any of them that, I don't know many of them. I actually, I don't know any of them that, that feel, that don't feel some level of guilt or shame or something that they explain away about being mm -hmm. a mom or being a homemaker or being a wife to a yeah. husband, right? Like they all feel this weird thing and they're like, this is, they, they, they dismiss it. This is so stupid. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm supposed to spend time with my kids, but like society's pressure. It's like, it's not society's pressure. That's you. That's what femininity yeah. is. Nurture. Again, it's not to be second class or less than or anything like yeah. that, but men have a desire because we, Usually men have masculine uh, traits, masculine, uh, usually men uh, are, are, have masculine energy. How's that? Um, men have a desire to conquer. Masculine energy is to conquer. Feminine energy yeah. is to nurture. And usually women have feminine energy. And don't get me wrong. We, we display different energies in different situations. Yeah. Like I'm, I like to cuddle with my wife. I like to be cuddled by my wife. That's a feminine energy of mine in that moment yeah. that I just want to be held, right? Like that's part of, part of who I am. That's not a masculine moment for me, as I admit it to whoever your audience is now. But the point I is, the two, point is, so we're good. There you go. I, most guys do. You see that on like these TikToks yeah, and yeah. YouTube videos, right? Like, oh, here's my man in public, and then you know, in private, he's on her lap or whatever, kind of joking. Mm -hmm. That's most of us. We're big teddy bears. But the point is, the point is, like, there's not a burden to conquering and taking and going and driving and providing. There's not a burden. It's an honor. It's 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 natural. So yeah. the best thing I feel like I can do is stay at like is honestly box out that energy that tells them otherwise, including my wife. Mm -hmm. and this is where, you know, there's so much talk about two parent households or a father figure, you know, a strong father figure, you know, and what that means and the stats around it, like, you know, uh, fatherless homes or kids that grow up without a father figure. I mean, the, the, the amount of incarceration, the incarceration rate, the dropout yeah. rate from school, the, uh, the crime rate. I mean, all of it, it it's suicide rate is Being pregnancy way rate, higher. All sorts of stuff. Yeah. Way higher. And I, I'm sure it is yep. the other way. There's just not as many single dad households as there are single mom households, right? Most, most, mm -hmm. most moms have the kids and dad's not around in some ways. But yeah, I mean, you need both. There's a balance there where my wife sees the, yeah. oh my God, my poor boys. And she should. She's a nurturer. She's feminine. My poor boys are yeah. burdened with conquering. And I'm going like, stop. Get out of their way. They yeah. want to conquer. That's just what they want to do. It doesn't mean I want them to, you know, yeah. take over the world literally, like, you know, like a dictator. And there's, that's a bad masculine <laughs> energy, right? It goes too far. Yeah. But, you know, whatever it is they decide to do in life with an example from me, as long as well as understanding what love and nurturing is from the feminine energy in their life, that's the ultimate. So mm -hmm. I don't think I have to teach them. I think I just have to, I have to, I have to understand that they're both boys. I'm a boy. So we share that masculine trait. And I understand when they are under attack for being who they are, and I can box that yeah. out. I think that's one aspect. And then modeling it, just modeling, you yeah. know, and quitting the job or, you know, uh, paying the bills or whatever it is, right? The things that make the provider in me, the masculine provider in me, um, you know, show through. They have to see that. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I mean, I think that you're, uh, so yeah, re representing that, showing that, but I think you also are building a life to box that stuff out, right? Like you're building a life that yeah. allows them to be who they want to be. They, I mean, just 
literally just yesterday, my wife and I were chatting because my we went to Sky Zone, now uh, the trampoline oh, yeah. type of place, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah we have, um, yep. you know, my uh, my wife was like, oh, like the au pair needs to know that you know she she needs to follow Rourke around. Rourke's the four year old, and I was like. No, like it, it's literally a trampoline place. It's made to bounce off of. Like, what What do you mean? <laughs> well, yeah, but he likes to go over to that one thing and jump off that one thing. I said, into what? He jumps off into foam boxes. Like, right, right, like, right. It's okay to do these things, right? Let him go and do it, you know? Okay. And uh, she, of course, just wants to protect him. And I'm just like, hey, like, you know, so do I'm, you. I'm of the. That is, that's yeah, how of you're course, protecting I want to protect him. him. But well, this but is a is long-term protection, him. right? Yes, yeah, for yes. sure. Be a man. Yep. Be a boy. Go to be me, you. It's long-term right? protection. <laughs> yeah, explore, climb trees, ride, ride the dirt bike. You know, do everything. You know, like it. Just I want them to go out and do that, um, and I think they need to do that. I mean, just you know, like you mentioned, growing up when I was on my bicycle, like hundreds and hundreds of miles in the summer. Like I was mm. gone all the time. And I yeah. don't think we're going to be at a point where that really happens much more in a lot of in a lot of places. But not in the uh, U.S. Here, here, dude. Honestly, yeah. like my my five year old walked across the street to a soccer field the other day. Yesterday, walked across mm-hmm. the street through a playground, through an, a hole in the fence onto the soccer field where me and my other son were. It's it's funny to see the the delay societally living here that there is. Yeah. This is like growing up in the '90s and the '80s here. So sorry, yeah. I love it. Yeah. No, I, I think it's great. And I mean, it's, it's one of those that's like, we, I let my five-year-old or four-year-old go and play outside by himself. Hey, you need to, like, it's okay to be alone and play and dig in the dirt and, you know, throw rocks. Just don't throw it at my car. That's all I ask, you know, um, yeah. just go have fun, go be a boy, go explore, you know? And then if, what do you know? He brings in a, uh, a frog or he brings in a snake or he brings in whatever thing he finds outside a lizard and he's all excited about it. It's just, man, I want them to do that stuff, you know? Um, I think it was, who was it that I was listening to? I don't remember who it was, but the way they kind of explained it, I've, I've held on to it myself was um, like, I want you to go explore. I don't mind if you like, it, it's going to hurt a little bit. I get it. But I don't mind if you come over with a broken arm. Like mm. that means you were out exploring, doing something fun, doing something like trying to conquer something. I don't mind if you come home with a broken ankle, like we'll t- go to the hospital. It'll get fixed. You'll be fine. Try not to crack your head open. That's the biggest thing I'm worried right. about. Like protect right, the right, head. Right, right. Yeah. like that one doesn't recover as well, but like go out and do these things. Like if you're not, you know, I just, I love watching the boys explore and be, you know, climb trees and jump off of things and, you know, wrestle and all the stuff. So to me, like yeah. that's part of that, that magic thing. And like Jordan Peterson talks about the rough and tumble play a lot. Um, if you listen to a lot of his dad type stuff. Um, uh, and to me, like that rough and tumble play with the boys is something that I, the, the look on their face when I throw them in the air, when I'm launching them into the pool, when I'm, you know, whatever it is, like it's so much fun. And like you could just see yeah. the joy in their face. I don't know what's going to happen. Like now my third kid is a, a, a girl. She's only two months old. I'm not tossing her up in the air or anything like that yet. But, you know, um, I look forward to seeing what that means for a, for a daughter. But for the boys, like I just I'm hoping all I can do is hope that I'm, I'm representing masculinity well and teaching, you know, and I always tell my boys, I said, my, my goal is to make you better men than me. Um, you know, so hopefully that I'm, I'm doing that and raising them to to learn how to be better men than me and making it, you know, again, caught as, as much as humanly possible. There's yeah, one of the little yeah. men right there. There he is. No, I, I could Come say hi. There you go. Let's say hi. He'll jump in the pool. Oh, are you going to jump in the pool with Adam? Yeah. You want to you say hi to yeah. Mr. Jamie? Hi. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hi. How are you? Are you, having, are you going to go in the pool? 
Uh-huh. My brother uh, said after he's done playing a motorcycle game on his, I mean, on motorcycle game on his iPad, he'll jump in the pool with me. Nice. Will Dad come in too? Uh, no, because I, well, when I'm with Am in the pool, I can sink at the deep end. Mm-hmm. Uh, you like doing that, huh? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That sounds fun. I have to go in the pool, I think, after I'm done with your daddy, talking to your daddy. Is dad going to come in? <laughs> Am I going to jump in the pool with you? Maybe? Mm. Yes. Am I? All right, we'll see what we can do. If you want to. If I want to. All right, well, let me finish my chat, and then we'll uh, see what I can do, okay? All right, do you want to say goodbye to Mr. Jamie? Bye. Bye. Hey, at least Good just to- sit with you. You want to just sit with me? Sure. Well, I'm going to put my other earphone in, though. Okay. <laughs> so that was one thing I forgot to tell you at the beginning of this, is that I, like, if the kids come in, nope, don't play with the microphone, though. If the kids come in, that's perfectly great. I love having the kids yeah. on and have them come say hello. So, um, but yeah, hopefully, you know, they might. I mean, going back. There's always hopefully. a chance. There's, there's oh, always please, a chance yeah. that they're going to come in. So, yeah. 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 Bring them on in. So, Wasn't this the, the what's fun? This is the part that's fun. You don't think talking to Mr. Jamie's fun? It's not. I think talking to Mr. Jamie's fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, to me, the pool is another one of those adventure places, right? Like, yeah. he, he is, he's gotten to the point where, uh, let's not play with that. I don't know how loud that is on the other side. Um, where, you know, if we're in the pool, he, he knows, like, give me the, give me the okay symbol if, if you're okay. Because, you know, you can see a kid and sometimes they don't look like they're okay, but they might be, you know. Um, right, so right, right. you can see it like they go through the process where he's like, I'm getting close, but right now I'm still okay. Like his head is under and he's still throwing an okay symbol up in the area and all that type of stuff. But he's, he's doing really well with, uh, um, swimming around by himself and having a good time. And how um, old is he? You know, four. Four. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, our, our five-year-old just turned so, five. He in the uh, last six months he's really learned to swim, but it's the same thing. It looks chaotic in the pool. It's like, yeah, is he all right. Yeah, he ends up being okay. Yeah, right. Are you? And they usually four? are. I mean, you're four. Uh, yeah. Four. four. When do you turn five? Nice. Do you know your birthday? Uh, December tenth. December. Wow, you really know your birthday, December tenth. So you're right before Christmas. So you get you presents your for your birthday, and then you get presents for Christmas? Oh, we're getting a whisper here. I'll commentate. You don't remember Adam's birthday? Oh, we're getting the uh, brother's my birthday. My brother's birthday is December 1st. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So everybody's in December. What about your little sister? Yeah. Uh, April 25th. Oh, so she just, 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 just had her birthday, huh? Two months ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. Her, but two boys, both birthday, in December. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she was born two months ago. That's true. Soon, <laughs> we're going to see her birthday when she's older and when she gets like a real party. Yeah, she'll have a real oh, party for yeah. her first Next birthday, year, next huh? April. I love that you got close to the All mic. Right. I do that, I'm, too. I get really close. <laughs> Oh, we're whispering again. Um, oh, am He's I whispering. showing off? I'm sorry. Oh, Dad's showing off. <laughs> we're still whispering. Okay, can I can I finish this chat now? Can you say see you later? Bye. In a while, crocodile. Oh yeah, I love you, buddy. Oldie but goodie, right? Love you, Gator.
Cater. <laughs> All right. Well, there's, there's, you know, one of the boys. A ca- cameo. But, yeah. Yes. Um, I truly like uh, the, the very first podcast I did was with my dad and Adam came mm. running in on, on one of them and I was just sitting there chatting with my dad and he comes in. Hi, people. Like, he was all excited and just having your a conversation. Dad, dad, and, or, your, you know, or your stepdad, your father or your stepdad? No, my, my, my dad. So I, I don't have a stepdad. So it was my dad's dad who died when he was one. Oh, oh that's um, right. Sorry. 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 Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, yeah my, uh, so it was with my dad having that conversation and that to me, like, especially a, like a, a podcast about dads, like kind of. Starting off with my dad, I thought was was kind of fitting, but it's funny. Um, I have that goal. I'm trying to get my dad to agree to do my show, like just to just oh, to yeah. have it. I, mean, I yeah, yeah, you know, I don't even know if I release it if he doesn't want to. It's just, but we have it, right? You have that forever. Yeah. So for sure, yeah, that's pretty. And that's cool. you know, I, um, I don't. There was somebody else I was talking to was saying, uh, or not. I don't know if I was talking to, listening to, whatever. Um, but like having those recordings, you know. Uh, to live forever right like the conversation like i mean yeah. the, the, just that little spot of Rourke coming in you know when he's you know uh 60 years old and i'm gone right and that is still alive that's still there that's still something he could watch and see and remember dad in this moment and you know like i to me i, I that's one of the reasons i just i'm so happy if they want to join me on in any meetings um you know like I don't, I'm like, I warn almost everybody. And if I don't warn them, then who cares? Like if they're mad that my sons walk in, in the middle of a a call, you're probably not the person I need to be on a call with anyways, let's be honest, you know? So (laughs) I'd much rather just have them be a part of the life and be, you know, enjoy and come in and do these things. So I appreciate you rolling with it and having a chat. Of course, but no, no, no. I had that, I had that pivot probably, uh, probably COVID because, you know, in COVID I'm working at my job and then inevitably they, they, everyone's home. They just pop in and I would get so like, no. And uh, I I made the decision like, hey, I'm not gonna give them. I'm not gonna make them feel like you know they don't get it. They don't, at that age especially. Yeah. Like now, my eight year old, like he might sometimes he tries to bust in on a podcast and be like, no, no, no. Like, come on, you know, you're eight, you, you get it. Like, go, go. Daddy's doing something. Yeah, he but knows I, I, that he's I, busting on our podcast. Yeah, correct, correct. He knows exactly <laughs> what he's doing. So, um, what I do, what I what I made the decision on was if they if they break in, they break in. People are just gonna have to understand. Yeah. Like, I don't want my kids to think that whoever's on that computer screen means more to me than them. Yeah. Live, yeah. right there, you know. Yeah. So. I do, I do my best with that. And I have the conversations later too, like with, you know, there, there are times like when we're like, we're at Bush Gardens and I have to do some work while we're out there, right? Something pops up, um, something's going on at a property, something's going on in the business. Like I just, I'm going to need to do something like, Hey, the benefit of me being able to work from home is that you can come and see me anytime I'm in the office. The downfall right. about that is I still have a job to do. So even while we're out and about, I may have to do something and knock it out. Um, so, you know, there's, there's give and take to both sides of it and you get to kind of understand yeah. it and, and look through it. But um, yeah. so that gives my, my boys a little look at the inside and soon to be daughter, a little look at the inside of what it is to run businesses and, and all of that. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know. To me, it just, it, Having the kids around, uh, that's the whole reason I left the military so I could be around the kids. So why in the heck should I shove them off and, you know, be upset if they show up in a, in a call? Like, I don't, uh, I don't know. But yeah, but who the heck yeah, am I? I mean, it's, no, no, no. But I, I think about like, you asked about my dad, I, you know, I, every morning I'm up with the kids. I'm my, my wife's not an early riser. I am. So I get up with them and, you know, I help them get ready for school or now day camp or whatever mm-hmm. they do, summer camp that they're in. Uh, and we do bedtime every night. You know, in fact, I committed with my, my accountability yes. pod because like, I was getting a little bit like, ah, oh, I missed this bedtime, missed that bedtime. Like, I got to design it so that I'm at every bedtime. So I check it. I track yeah. it. Um, but I'm at a bed, bedtime every night. I, that wasn't my dad. You know, my dad, 
My dad yeah. came in when I was um, refusing to go to sleep for some reason, and pretty much, you know, like uh, like uh, what was his name, Ben Stiller in in Billy Madison, like you will go to sleep, or I will put or you I will to put sleep. You to that sleep. was yes. that was more more my dad's role in bedtime. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. So that's it a, is different. It's a good throwback. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when it uh, when it comes to the business, though, what are like how much involvement do you want to have? How much involvement do they have? What do you talk to them about with your businesses, and like what kind of exposure do they have into that world? Yeah, I, I don't have like a. I can't say that they have like intentional exposure. They they. It's funny you say this though. They know that I have po- a podcast. My son watches like YouTube Kids and stuff, so he gets the mm-hmm. oh wait you're you're on YouTube. I'm like yeah yeah I, you know. So they get the podcast part of it. Uh, they understand real estate. We talk a lot about real estate. My older son, especially, like he loves, like even, you know, mm-hmm. he plays Minecraft. So he builds on Minecraft and he'll say like, look, I built this apartment building and da, 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 da. So he gets the real estate. That's part. awesome. They, they kind of have access to what they want to know. I haven't forced it. I haven't pushed it. When they ask, we talk mm-hmm. about it. Um, but they understand the podcast. They understand I have a, you know, a, a show or whatever. But in Lake Oconee in um, October, I just, it's funny. I just said this to my wife. We have a lot of just said this to my wife moments on this call. But it is what it is. Um, in Lake like Oconee, uh, do you know Tim Grover? Do you know who Tim Grover is? Uh huh. Yes. You do? Tim, uh, yeah. So he's the keynote, right? So he's yep. the keynote for the Lake Oconee event. And then he's going to go over phenomenal. into the. And into, now I'm sad that is. I'm not going. Wow. But he's doing a keynote on stage for the main event. And then he's going to go over to the champion room, which is, you know, for people listening to High High Net, the rich, rich guys. He's going to go over to the champion room and do a fireside chat with me. That I'll then repurpose as a podcast, right? So I'll have him on stage live, just like I had Tom Bilyeu and Jesse uh, mm-hmm. Itzler, and I hope I hope Jordan Peterson in the near future. Uh, we're working on that, but to oh. to to be on stage with a guy like Tim Grover, not that my kids know who he is, it doesn't really matter. But I said to my wife, like, I think I want my dad and my oldest son to come to be in the back of the room when I do that interview to really mm-hmm. get a sense of like, oh wow, that's my that's my dad. My dad's up there talking to this guy. There's hundred guys in the room, but. This guy's talking to my, why is my dad the guy up there? You know, mm-hmm. like, and for my dad, you know, I, he, at this age, softening, you know, I, I don't know, about you, my dad is not the dad <laughs> that he was. Yeah, He's not the, the man yeah. he was at 40. <laughs> like, I get on my kids and my dad's like, come on, leave him alone. I'm like, who the heck are you? Who is this guy? Like, bring my father back. I thought he'd be behind me. Like, yeah, get uh-huh. him. You know, like, nah, He's like, leave him alone. But anyway. I, he would he would enjoy seeing his son, you know, in that moment as well, whatever that appears yeah. to be, or however much ego that might sound like it has. I don't really care, but yeah, I, I in that way, in that way, what I want my kid to see is that is my that's my people ask me with podcasts because I have some really cool guests and I've done I've done live podcast mm-hmm. interviews in front of three hundred people, right? And people every time like, were you nervous? I'm like, no. No, there's plenty of other things in life I'm nervous about, but that's yeah. that's my thing, right? I was born for something like that. I, I don't think you're born for a, a role, but I was born to have that kind of interaction with people and for it to be out there for others. I was born to communicate in that way. So I'm not nervous. I'm, I don't be, feel intimidated if it's, you know, who have I had? Ryan Serhant, Exhibit, the rapper. Um, uh, like I said, Jesse, Jesse Itzler, Tom Bilyeu, when it's, um, when it's uh, uh, Tim Grover, uh, Jordan P. I don't feel intimidated because that's my spot. And for my kid to be able to see dad in his element, like, mm-hmm. well, that's, you talk about masculinity. Like, that's a guy who's doing what he's intended to do. I don't think he'll recognize yeah. that now. But one day, he'll have the ability to look back like we're doing right now and say, man, yeah. I watched my dad on stage with this. I don't even remember who the guy was. But he was up on stage 
And he was the guy, like all these people were watching him talk to this guy and all these guys were multimillionaires and they, he had all mm -hmm. of their attention, right? Like that's my conquering of the world. Like I can, I can still add value to guys that might be further ahead of me economically or whatever. That's my thing. That's me conquering yeah. for my son to see me in that way is really important to me. I think the five-year-old would, I, you know, I don't know if he'd remember it. So I, I'm not saying I don't yeah. want to bring him, but the eight-year-old is at that age where it, you know, he'll at least have that memory. So yeah. I'm, I, I remember the first time I walked into a football game with my dad, Buffalo Bill, I'm a big Buffalo Bills fan. And you watch it on TV, you watch it on TV, you watch it on TV. Just like my son sees me on YouTube, sees me on YouTube, sees me on YouTube. But I remember walking mm -hmm. out of the tunnel, like, you know, whatever, the upper deck tunnel, and then seeing the field for the first time. And it was like, whoa. Like, I've seen this. Yeah. I know all these I've seen all of this on TV. But, whoa. And I, yeah. I guess in part of me is hoping or thinking that that's kind of the experience he would have. Like, oh, wow. Like, I've seen the editing. Mm -hmm two-dimensional version of this but whoa there's like a whole production crew and there's cameras and there's all these people and yeah. it's him up there you know so I, I, I that's what i'm hoping he gets from it we'll see if he does but that's what i that's what i envision at least. I, my, I would imagine he will and i mean yeah. honestly you you crush it when you're doing those interviews it's a lot of fun to watch like you're you oh, are you. definitely in your in your zone there and it's uh um, you know, Tom Bilyeu is one of the guys that I, I love to listen to. And then to have him sitting right there in front of me on the stage and you sitting there interviewing him, it's just, it was a lot of fun to kind of, to kind of be there for those, those moments. And, um, yeah. you do a really good job with it. So it Thank makes you. me even more sad that I won't be going down to, uh, or up to, uh, Lake Oconee because that would be phenomenal to, to see, uh, Tim Grover and, and, and you, uh, have a good, good chat, but, um, yeah, there's discussion man. of Jordan Peterson and Stowe though. Are you going to Stowe? I am. I already bought, I already bought. There's, so I'm definitely me too. going there. There's discussion of him be being the guy in Stowe. I would love it. I mean, so we'll see. I, he is, uh, I was, <laughs> I was at one of the local abundance things. Um, uh, and we were, we were sitting down having some, having some dinner somewhere. Um, and you know, they were asking me about who I was and cause I, I had just moved here to Florida and, um, you know, part was, of Florida was, again, by the way? where'd you move? Where'd you move to in Florida? Oh, you're right there. All right. Grant, yeah. Chris Savino, all those guys. Yeah. Got yep. it. Yep. So I'm, I'm like introducing myself and talking about my prior military stuff and, you know, some, you know, some deployment stuff came up about, you know, me in Afghanistan and Iraq and doing all sorts of stuff. And then, and then somehow later on, Jordan Peterson came up, you know, and, uh, I was like, dude, I love Jordan Peterson. Like if I was a gay dude, I would marry Jordan Peterson just because he like, he is so awesome. Right. And then, uh, one of the guys was like, What'd you just say? <laughs> He's like this, like, all I've heard is like, you going to war in Afghanistan, this big, you know, this bigger dude with a beard. And all of a sudden you're like, dude, I'd marry Jordan Peterson. I'm like, no, I'm not like, wouldn't actually, of course, marry Jordan Peterson. It's just like, I, I just love his philosophy on life and the way he thinks through things and, you know, his ability to speak. And I, it just, you know, how he, um, uh, to me, like the way he, that he, it doesn't matter whether or not he, the world thinks that what he says is right or wrong. He knows what is right and wrong in his head. And he's going yeah, to say yeah. like, what, what, and, and to me, that's a very masculine wise thing to do. Like I've got it written on my board here. I want to say it correctly. So I'm going to lean over. Uh, it says, be a good man, not just a nice guy. And I don't remember where I heard it from. Right. But when I think about that statement, he's one of the people that pop in my head, right? Like he's yeah, not just being yeah. a nice guy. He's being a good man. He is, he's representing what he believes is best. And that's my goal for the boys is to like, I want to represent what I think is best, whether people like it or not. Um, uh, I probably hold my tongue a little bit more than I wish I did in some scenarios and some circumstances as far as what I, what I believe. But um, that's funny. That's a, that's another rabbit hole. If you're willing to go down it, but go ahead. 
Oh, I'm I'm totally willing to go down that rabbit hole. Like it's a, uh, um, but yeah, it 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 to me, it's part of being a good man is making sure that like I, it doesn't mean that you have to be mean and like you know. Well, I mean, I do think you look terrible in that dress, honey. Right? That's not <laughs> what I'm saying necessarily. But I know, I know. Uh, you know, but that that's also not being a good man or a nice nice guy. So, but the rabbit yeah, hole. No, what, I, what did you want to ask? Well, about? Jordan Peterson. I, I, there's a whole. There's a, a few different like legs off of this. To your point, he has even oh, said, if you listen to his content, I, I listened to, to enough of it. He's even said, like, I don't enjoy this. I don't enjoy the conflict, yeah. but it's way harder yeah. on the, it's, I, I enjoy the, the pent up what comes with not addressing it mm-hmm. less. I enjoy that less. And that goes right? to so one I, of his rules. It's, it's in his 12 rules for life, his first, yeah. uh, not his first book, but it's uh, tell the truth or at least don't lie, right? Like, it, yeah. I'm going to be telling the truth. Like it's uncomfortable sometimes. I don't like sometimes what happens when you tell the truth, but I'm not going to lie. Well, so here we go. So the rabbit hole. I Jordan Peterson, another tie-in was I had been trying to figure out dietarily for me that that's a word. Uh, mm-hmm. What's best, right? And I've always tried to eliminate sugar, eliminate carbs, and it doesn't work. It just when I say no sugar, more sugar comes in, or no carbs, mm-hmm. more carbs come in. But I kept hearing about him with carnivore on Joe Rogan yeah. on all this stuff, and I, you know, I actually had. Um, uh, a couple of guys on the podcast called the Meat Mafia. So they were kind of a carnivore diet brand, a podcast and brand. I had them on actually the episode just released uh, last week. And it was really interesting talking to these guys about, you know, all the questions I have about this diet. Like, what do you mean it's all, what about fiber? What about, you know, what about your heart health? What about mm-hmm. cholesterol? What about all these things? Right. And they're not experts, but they, they talk through what they talk through. And then I went and did my own research and I listened to Jordan Peterson talk about it and Joe Rogan and da 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 da. And I did it. I did full carnivore, like 100% for 30 days. And I'm, it's, I'm about, I'm about, oh, I'm about a month past that. And I've stayed mostly carnivore since then, right? I've, I've kind of stuck to mm-hmm. that diet plan. And what came up from that time, man, honestly, was two things. One was by instead of trying to keep everything and eliminate a couple of things, I narrowly focused my energy on like one thing, animal products. And all yeah. the things that I wanted to have happen, happened with that extreme focus. In other words, uh, eliminate sugar, eliminate processed foods, lose, lose a little bit of weight. So this exercise regimen, get more energy. So better sleep, whatever. All these things that I had individual plans to accomplish were all accomplished with one linear focus, singular focus. I didn't feel compelled either to cheat. Like it was just my brain made a decision. I'm only mm-hmm. going to eat this, not... I'm not going to eat that, if that makes sense. So oh, one yeah. thing was that at extreme focus, lost seven pounds, gained more muscle, energy, ridiculous energy, um, stopped eating sugar, stopped eating processed foods, right? All from one decision. But the second thing was the polarization of that decision because I'm public, right? I'm, I have a podcast. I have my social media. I have a brand, if you will. So I talk about it. I talk about being carnivore. I talked about it in my newsletter, all of that stuff. And dude, the vegan onslaught that I got was over the top. Over the top. It was emails. It was texts. It was DMs. And it wasn't, it didn't have a nice feel to it. Like on the nice end, it was like, it was like, um, like, ugh, why would you? But on the other end, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, my, my, my disdain for the environment and, and how I'm cruel to animals and all of this stuff. And it was like, all right, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're a vegan. Go be a vegan, right? Yeah, I'm a carnivore. Leave me the heck alone was kind of my mindset. And then because I have like a, 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 a an inner being that's an insult comic, I can't end and like a like a raging. Uh, uh, what's the word? Um, I like to go the other way on things. A uh, oh, shoot. 
what the heck is the word for that? Like, a, <laughs> I can't think of it. I'll think of it in a minute here, but somebody who <laughs> bucks the trend. Yeah. Contrarian, thank you. Yeah. A contrarian and an insult comic combined. That's my inner being, right? But I don't mm-hmm. allow that out very much because, to your point, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I want to, I want to be kind. Yeah. I don't want to ruffle feathers. And, yep. I don't want to ruffle feathers, right? So, so the inner contrarian and the inner insult comic started to do some research on this stuff, right? And I remember one person saying to me about my health for the fiftieth time about my health. They're concerned for my health, and they cited a couple of things. They're like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know. He was a big meat guy and he converted over to like, he's not, he hasn't eliminated me, but like very little meat. And he talked about how dangerous meat is and, and, you know, vegetables. And then you see these bodybuilders dropping dead after, you know, at a young age because they're just on these strict meat diets. And I was like, okay, time out, Tonto. Let's go over two facts that you just overstepped. One, Schwarzenegger had a whole documentary about getting away from meat. You know what it was about? It was about the environment. It was his mm-hmm. take on the, the ills of meat in terms of the environment, which I can yeah. debunk if you want to as well here in a moment. It wasn't about meat being bad for your health as you started out with. And second, yeah. the other example of, um, what was the other example? Was the, oh, the bodybuilders. Like my wife has done two bodybuilding competitions, bikini fitness competitions, right? She looked the most healthy she's ever looked while, simultane- while simultaneously being the least healthy she ever was. She was dehydrated. She yeah. was malnourished. It wasn't healthy. She wasn't happy. Brave face on stage, exhausted. Nothing in her yeah. off stage for two competitions. She hasn't done it since. People that do that over and over and over and over again for 20 years, that's the strain on your heart. It yeah. ain't meat. It's that. It's that extremity that's taking, that's taking a toll on the heart. The person actually, to their credit, said, you know what? Fair points on both. And my point to them was, don't come after me with this altruistic desire to make mm-hmm. sure my health is in good order because you're, you're hiding behind one of two activist slants. It's either the environment or it's animal cruelty. And oh, by the way, yeah. if I can rant, do you okay, okay if I rant for a second here? <laughs> Bring it on. Bring it on, Jamie. All right. For you vegans out there, if you're listening, oh, by the way, I have a grass-fed cow that I kill and eat for a year and a half. That meat will feed me. And you know what? All it's done is eat grass. One animal dies to feed me for a year and a half. That's how much meat a cow produces, okay? On the flip side, there's a little leafy salad in front of somebody right now with their turtleneck or whatever the heck they're wearing. That leafy salad had to be tilled out of the ground. So every turtle, salamander, Mm -hmm. shrew, mole, all of it, the stuff, the creepy crawlies you don't want to acknowledge, snakes, those are getting churned up by the second to eat six pieces of lettuce on your salad. So don't tell me that one diet does something that the other one does. It's the same thing with, yeah. with electric cars. People get like, oh, I have an electric car. I'm, I'm, you know, whatever. I don't have any, any pollution in the environment. It's like, really? The uh, manufacturing yeah. <laughs> per car for an electric car has way more of an impact on the environment, negative impact on the environment mm-hmm. than the manufacturing of a gas car. Now, over time, when you add it all together, fine. And the last piece I'll say is this whole methane, you know, cows are bad for the environment thing. So there was a study done in 2010, I think it was 2010, uh, that said, yeah, cows produce more, uh, uh, whatever, gassy emissions and, and, and pollution than yeah. the transportation industry. That was the, that was the statement. The author of that, of that uh, study admitted later that it was controlled in, incorrectly. In other words, what they did was they said the cow, the production of the cow, the factory the cow is, is slaughtered in and processed, mm-hmm. the drivers that drive, the uh, employees that drive their cars and then pollute the environment in order to go and kill the cow. and do, like All of that 
is factored in for the cow is dangerous to the environment side of it. And in that same study, the emissions only from vehicles was factored in for how cars and transportation vehicles impact the environment. So you have every aspect of the meat industry against emissions, not the factories those cars are built in, the drive, yeah. the people driving to work to, to build those things, right? So when you do that, it becomes like an 8% contribution to pollution from the meat industry and like 42% for cars, you know? And, and I, I even saw another stat that if you completely eliminated, you know, all meats, the need to produce protein in order for us to have something that's not meat, it's like, it takes it from eight to 6%. You know, it's like, yeah. it's not a big move. It's just, it kills me. So anyway, all of this is to say, with Jordan Peterson and him being, you know, outright and forthright about his position on things and boldly going out there, no matter what comes at him, this is a decision I just made recently. Even just talking about this now, this topic, transgender uh, in schools, mm-hmm. that's driving me up a freaking wall. And you yeah. can't touch that yeah. for fear of being canceled. But yeah. I have, I'll state it, man. I have zero issue with a man wanting to play woman or a woman wanting to play man. You do what you want to do, right? Live your life. I really don't care. Yeah. RuPaul has been around for, yeah. Exactly. That movement yeah. jumped the shark and all this phobia, transphobia and trans hate and all of that, that that's being claimed, that whole movement jumped the shark the second they entered the schools, the second yeah. they went after the kids. RuPaul has been around forever. He, she has had a show on TV. No one's bothering. Google yeah. RuPaul today. See if at all there's any newsworthiness about RuPaul being sucked into the transgender discussion today. Not a word. Not a word. No one cares. Go live your life. Go be gay, mm-hmm. go do this, go do that, whatever you want to do. And I don't even think gay and transgender, I think there's, they're, they're in two different worlds, to be honest with you. Yeah. But that topic is something I would have bit my tongue on because, you know what, uh, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to get canceled. I don't need, I don't need mm-hmm. the onslaught. But my kids don't go to public school in large part because of that movement, right? Yeah. And they won't go to school because of the, the acceptance of that movement. And I hear it happening in like rural Michigan schools, like yeah. northern Michigan, full red state areas, you know. Flags and beer, right? Whatever you want to call those people, that stuff is happening in those schools. So if it's yeah. happening there, it's happening in my, you know, suburban school, suburban Detroit school, as well as any other school in the United States. So that movement, that whole thing, that all of it needs a light shed on it. And I think now you're starting to see the swell and the pushback that's happening mm-hmm. around this stuff. And I hope it's a kind of a correction in society. And again, I don't hate anybody that wants to be transgender. Stay out of the schools. And by the way, even the sports part of it. That sports part of it was, yeah, yeah another one. It, it was a debate. It was a debate. And I never believed, I yeah. still to this day, I, to me, it's a ridiculous thing. Like you don't take a biological man and put him into a sports arena with a, with a biological yeah. woman. You just don't in any capacity, right? You just, you just don't. But that's gotten more light shed on it because you went after the kids. You yeah. go after the kids, man. Like even, even, I mean, there's gay people non-transgender there's a large number of them that are saying the same thing like yeah this this should not be in schools i don't want my kids exposed to this stuff right like not gay male male female female nothing like that but they don't want their Mm -hmm. kids exposed to anything when it comes to gender identity and sexuality at 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 even high school age you don't need it there you know like let these kids be kids they'll grow and figure things out for themselves so those yeah. are the things that I have an opinion on that I've stifled. And I, I appreciate a guy like Jordan Peterson because you see him being a responsible man and going out and saying what he believes in. You may not agree with him and that's perfectly fine, yeah. but he's willing to say it. And that's what I've decided recently. Like the vegans, man, the vegans opened something up in me. I'll tell you, they, they got to me. They got <laughs> yeah. to me. You win. And you know, it's funny. You- there's, 
there's uh there's plenty of studies now that that are showing how much uh like trees and plants actually like communicate with each other and then when one of them is um uh, there's there's harm being done to one of them there's there's problem with one of them they'll actually send signals to that one and try to send help to that plant so now you're talking about potentially plants having consciousness. So now you're just ripping apart these plants with consciousness that you're afraid to do to a cow. Like well, it's, plants, it's like, ah, oh my goodness. Plants gracious. also release natural defense chemicals. People don't realize this. Like yeah. plants have natural defense yeah. chemicals. You know how we're able to eat them? Because we pesticide the hell out of them. Because we chemically yeah. alter the plant. That's what we're doing. All right. That's how we eat them. GMO but even still, too, that we built. Them. Correct. Even still, that stuff that stuff creates inflammation in your body. You know. So. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not saying, look, I, I'm not saying I, I won't eat a salad anymore. Like I said, I, I wanted to eliminate and go strictly carnivore for a month, and I did. Uh, and now I'm, I'm opening up like some fruits, some this, that, and the other. And if I feel yeah. like a salad, I'll have a salad, right? Like, I'm, you know, these are foods. But, but this idea that one extreme or the other extreme is right versus wrong, that yeah. only exists on the veganism side of it. You know, it's, I don't know, you can even go even further. Like, you have, you have the movement of, you got to be like me or you're not as good as me versus leave me the F alone, right? Those are two mm-hmm. different sects. And I tend to be on the leave me alone side of things. And then you can bucket it. Like vegan is probably more be like me. Carnivore is probably more, um, uh, you know, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Uh, yeah. Liberalism is a little bit wokeism is a little bit more be like me. Conservatism is more leave me alone. So I tend to identify with this side of it just because mm-hmm. I want to be left alone. I want my family to be left alone. Doesn't mean I, you know, there shouldn't be a government. There shouldn't be taxes. I don't believe that either. You got to have, you have to have schools and, and roads and all of that. But this idea that, you know, that, that, um, that if we're not complying with your worldview, we're, vaccines, I mean, you name it, right? Like all of this stuff is, yeah. is on my mind, Adam, and you're unleashing it right now in me. But thank you for giving me a platform. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to do it for all two of my listeners. Well, so you never know. By the time you the, get this out, the, I might have five listeners. Yeah. Right. There you go. In the context of masculinity, though, and the context of being a father, it's like you said, mm-hmm. though, like, what do I model for my kids? You know, yeah. John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Ke- Robert Kennedy went out and said what they believed. They died because people didn't agree with them. Like that is, in some ways, the pinnacle of masculinity of of being a yeah. strong father figure. It's tragic, but Martin Luther King, right? It's tragic, but these are men. I mean, those are, yeah. you know, like their sure. their lineage. Their lineage understands the sacrifice and how strong of men they were. You could see it. There's how many, how many of the King lineage do you see on news channels that still carry his message mm-hmm. from the decades ago, right? That's how strong a movement he created as a man. It got him killed. But how do we not represent our positions? And for what? Adam, look, you are already canceled by a portion of the population. Yeah. You're already canceled. So the fear of the rest of the population canceling you. It's it's ridiculous. We're all already canceled by somebody. So mm-hmm. may as well lean into what you so want and who well you are me. as opposed to Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And it yeah. represents and the right version of you for your kids. Yeah. And 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 honestly, the right version of me for me, right? Because I mean it, it it doesn't help to keep your mouth shut. I kept my mouth shut on the military side for a long time too, and it, it didn't help anything. And finally I, yeah. I was true to myself, sort of opened my mouth to my my leadership and saying what needed to be said and you know, I, I didn't stick around long enough to find out whether or not it made a difference. But at the same point, it made me feel better because at least I was, you know, saying what I thought was going to make things better for for my for my troops, for people around me, for those who come after me, like all this stuff. Like it doesn't, you know, it's helping nobody to keep your mouth shut. Um, but it also helps nobody to shut other people out of what they want to say, right? So 
the conversation needs to happen. I mean, I mean, even if I, which I don't, disagreed with you on this stuff, I would be willing to bet you would be willing to hear the conversation from the other side and have a sure. debate and go back and forth and not like, you know, complete, like the whole portion of like the, the whole cancel thing boggles my mind to begin with. Like you're already saying, like what that is kind of saying is I have, I don't have the ability to fight you or back this up with facts. So I'm just going to cancel you. I'm going to shut yeah, you yeah, up yeah. because I don't have the articulation yeah. to be able to explain my side anyway. So you just don't even deserve to be on, on, on a platform. You don't deserve to be listened to. You don't, I mean, just, no, like there so needs to be conversation it, and healthy debate. And- yeah, but it permeates. So I, I think I think cancel yeah. started around the woke the woke movement, right? So woke people mm-hmm. wanted to wanted to drown out all the voices that they that they didn't agree with because they need to be. It's a kind of the irony of like you need to be tolerant like me. Like okay, well that, you mm-hmm. don't hear it, I guess, but whatever. But then, unfortunately, the other side of wokeism wants to then cancel like you're seeing it now with bud light right like i'll be honest my position is that i don't want to buy bud light either because of what you know it, it wasn't even it, and again it wasn't even necessary i'm not a beer drinker i don't i don't like beer but it wasn't even about sending a can to the 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 person i forget the the name but dylan Mulvaney. dylan there you go wasn't about the can it was the marketing exec coming out and saying after that well, look, all these frat boy, whatever, like essentially saying all of you that have made this company what it is, mm-hmm. we don't want you. That's the yeah. backlash. That's the backlash. But there is something in me that says, well, look, I'm not a cancel culture guy. I don't believe in it. Are we doing that on the other side of it? But if I'm being completely honest, I agree with it. I agree with like, and you know what? Actually, as I say, talk through it. Like, it's not cancel. It's not saying they can't exist. It's just that you're not going to get my money. That's mm-hmm. all. Like, you exist. Go ahead. Exist for yeah. who you want to exist for. You're just not going to get my money. So there you go. I worked my way through it. Yeah. And, and to me, that's that's free market capitalism, right? Um, 100%. Not, not the crony capitalism garbage that we tend to see a lot more now, right? But free market capitalism, like if you if somebody doesn't agree with what you're doing or they don't like the flavor of your meal, then they're not going to shop there. They're not going to buy stuff from there, right? Um, it's one of the reasons that I don't have anything Disney, right? I, I don't like that they openly said they want to put things in front of my children that I I would prefer to have conversations yeah. with them about rather than them have conversations about, you know, and sensitizing them in a way that they think is the right way to go. What was it's, the movie that just came out? There was a movie that just came out with uh, with pronouns, they, them pronouns, and it tanked. Yeah, it tanked. got like 20 yeah. million. It was like, yeah. you know, like, which is a lot of money, but not compared to the not production of what a they Disney usually movie. do. Yeah. Right, yeah, I don't right, remember right. the name of it, but yeah, it's it, it's it's one of those that. Um, I also am, am not a fan of, of somebody saying that. Uh, um, like, I get the concept of it takes a village, but you're not going to tell me that my kids are anybody but mine. Like, the vi- exactly. I create the village around my kids. Like, you don't yep. create the village around my kids. I, it may take a village, but it's yep. my village. Not you know, it, it doesn't mean that's the village I live in. It's the village I decide to put my kids in. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, exactly. You know, and That's it's a great it's, point. Yeah. Uh, it's not equal rights belongs. to my kids. Yeah. Yes. It's not equal rights Correct. to my kids upbringing. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, I've decided yeah. you teacher can have access to my child for their education. That's the village, not for yeah. your activism, but for education. And I've mm-hmm. decided that I'm going to live here because this police department, or I'm going to bring my kids to this karate studio, right? Like that's my village. I created the village around me, but yeah. I, I've assigned roles to each of these folks to outsource a skill or something for my kids to benefit from. It ain't, hey, just like your parents, 
I can say what I want to you and I can make you believe what I want. Yeah. Like the, the idea of uh, these, these laws trying to be passed about, you don't have to tell your parents if you have a gender identity issue and you're nine. And the teacher, yeah. the teacher holds the right to say, ooh, I, I can't say anything out of privacy. Are you crazy? Mm -hmm. That's my kid. But yet you have to ask what? my permission to take my kid to the zoo, right? Like, <laughs> you have to ask my permission to take them to the zoo, but you have no but problem being able to hide, hide right, stats. Right. Up yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll bring it. It just boggles my mind. No, it's my kid. But all of this Sorry. stuff, like I, know, I feel like we're like on a, you and me are just chatting tangent, like when we met on the flight to, out of Detroit that time, randomly, same seat, same <laughs> yeah. row. Right? It's like right row next two, to each other, yeah. Same flight, yeah, it was funny. <laughs> but, um, but I really think, I, I think, that, you know, you said before, like, hey, dads are listening to this and maybe their kids are listening to this. And I think about that as I'm talking yeah. to you about all of this. Like, what does all this have to do with anything? The person listening to this could be like, son, this guy is a transphobe. And I'm perfectly fine with that. If somebody says that, mm -hmm. son, this man yep. is toxic in his masculinity. Fine. That's your prerogative. As a parent, teach your kid what you want to teach them. But that's the point. Represent your voice. That's what a strong father yeah. is. It, this is my voice. This is what I believe. Now, again, Hitler believed things, right? So, I mean, there's there's bad beliefs that we we yeah. all agree are probably not the right beliefs. But let's not let's not get lost in the one of one of one percent, right? Like, yeah. by and large, the majority of us have beliefs that are just you know within the realm of reasonable, but just different different sides of whatever fence that mm -hmm. we might be on. But standing up for them, like this is a 44 year old now finally saying that I'm willing to. And, you know, look, I was a corporate guy. You were a military guy. So being public about certain beliefs yeah. that my my life, my well-being could be impacted by, you know, I, I guarded it, right? But part of not having a corporation behind me, part of being on my own, I can express myself the way I want to express myself. Like, why the heck yeah. wouldn't I? Dude, look, I had a guy on the podcast that I had no idea where it was going to go. He was referred to me. It was a live episode, two hours long. His name is Andrew Kibbe. He's from Kenya. And he came on and we were going to talk about masculinity. I'm like, oh, great topic. He went down mm -hmm. this rabbit hole, man, of like, women don't belong in leadership. I'm like, anywhere? He's like, nowhere. And he's saying how black people are cursed. He's black, very black, dark black, right? Like, black people are cursed. Like, Things I don't agree with, and I didn't put the episode up for three months for fear of mm -hmm. being canceled. But finally, I put it up. I put disclaimers on it, all that stuff. And dude, it's one of the most – I had 200,000 people watch that episode. 200,000 people watched it. And if you go through the comments, there is civil discourse, discourse going on between people. You know, he's got some mm -hmm. solid points. I think he goes a little too far here. You know, I get what he's saying here. Some people are like, wow, this guy's way too out there. He needs, he needs to be checked. And then people kind of come back. It's, it's not like a hundred percent on, on the level. Of course. I admire the guy for standing up and saying what he believes. I agree mm -hmm. with some of the principles that masculinity isn't toxic and it's okay to be truly feminine, which might mean that being a mom is what you are. That's what you do. That that's feminine. That's okay. Yeah. You can. You can rain make anytime you want in your life. But I don't agree with black people are cursed. I don't agree with women don't belong in leadership. That, that, that's just, that's, yeah. that's way yeah. too far for me, right? But yeah. to put the conversation out there and let others decide, like it was, it was really, really interesting to see that happen. Like, wow, there's a lot of people that really, really wanted to see what this is all about. And it's just another step of, you know what? Stand up for what you believe in. This guy's on the extreme side. He's not hurting anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not going out there and, and, you know, doing anything to women. It's just his beliefs. We had a discussion yeah. about it and it is what it is. But standing up for and yourself and what you believe in, man, that's, that's, that's being a dad. That's being a man. For sure. And I think, honestly, if, if you kind of look at it and maybe I'm, 
you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but by you not posting it, you're actually taking away from the ability for people to decide whether or not those 100%. are good feelings or not. It was like, it was like fully you're, you're just you're saying, nope, I, I'm 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 afraid for what might happen to me, as opposed to, hey, this this may actually allow conversation to happen and help somebody understand another side of a subject. Um, and that to me is much more important than anything. And, you know, I struggle still. Um, uh, and I think I, I will continue to, but there's, there's times I'm going to struggle. There's times I'm not going to struggle and we'll, we'll see. Hopefully I, I overcome that desire. What's going on, buddy. We got one. We got one. You wanted one. This guy doesn't love being on camera, but can you say hi at least over here? Say hi, where he can hear you. <laughs> You're going to go to Senny's? Is your bro going? All right, hold on. Let me make sure. I'm going to ask her. So we have a neighbor across the street here in the Dominican, ironically, also from Michigan. There's not many well, that's Americans. Interesting. All right. Yeah. And they're, ironically, they moved here in October when we did to this neighborhood. We moved, we moved down here in August, but to this neighborhood in that's October. Funny. And they're moving back in August like we are. Now, they live in Chicago now, but they're from Michigan originally. It's just very funny. We traveled with them to this mountain town this past weekend. They have kids. Uh, what, what is sending? Awesome. Eight? eight and 11 they have kids eight and 11 so eight and five and then eight and 11 but uh, the older kid the 11 year old is like the sweetest kid so they want to go over there um if the boys come over i'm just texting her real quick how do you know let me ask her you just try to keep your bro here (laughs) okay so am i you just busted in what do you care (laughs) <laughs> true i can't see you she's in a uh well then then well but i i need to know first if you're give me a minute she's typing back right now thanks adam thanks for bearing with us. yeah man you know what's okay fun. yeah she said I'm she's probably she's finished what's that probably not even going to edit this i'm just going to let it let it flow you should she said she's finishing a call we'll be down soon so go for it take him just watch both ways have fun leave it open leave it open, leave it open. he said have fun he said, thank you. <laughs> now they're battling. I love it. Oh, I got to wipe a booty now. Oh, we that have sounds time? like a great time. Nashi, can you help him, bud? He doesn't want poop in his hands. <laughs> All, right, All right. 30 seconds. I, 30 seconds. Sure. Yep. Wait. They're gone. Sorry about that. Wiping poop. No sweat. Getting him across the street. <laughs> you want to talk about fatherhood, perfect, man? Perfect work. You, you just talk. Yes. That's exactly what it is. You know, it, it's part of being a dad. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah, welcome yeah, back yeah. from wiping poop. Um, Thank you. I barely remember where we were. Um, I know we were talking cancel about speaking culture. our mind and cancel culture. Yeah, cancel and, culture, speaking our mind. Yeah, all of that. But um, I don't remember where we left off either, other than my little guy walked, my big guy walked in. But no, man, yeah. I, yeah. What, real quick for you, what, what's the plan with this podcast? What are, you, what's the, what are you trying to accomplish with it? Honestly, so. Um, my biggest goal is to kind of uh, the way I've I've told multiple people before, and I'm I'm kind of still sticking with the same thought process. Is I want to have conversations with intentional dads um, who are also running businesses, so that I could steal as many of their good ideas as possible. Um, <laughs> and then if somebody else listening manages to get something out of the conversation as well, great. If not, cool. Oh well, I did. You know, um, 
Uh, there's still, of course, part of me that says, you know, I, I would still like, you know, by the end of the year, I'd like to have 500 subscribers on YouTube. And I'd like to I'd like to start to, you know, see if there's a monetization behind it and be able to build this out to be, you know, more of a brand type of thing. And like, because um, I, I love doing business stuff and I love being a dad. So like, to me, it's 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 talking about stuff that I love that is, I don't think ever going to change, you know? So if I could just keep having these conversations, keep valuable conversations in front of people, um, then, then that's, that's what I'd like to do. So. I love it, man. I love it. Is this at all tied in with ADPI or no? Are you doing this independently? No, this is independent. Yeah. Um, this is just, just me, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure there's possibility for me to be able to, to, you know, get investors and that type of stuff for folks who like to do investing into apartment buildings. I mean, that's, I mean, obviously one of the things I do, um, you know, and, uh, but you know, it, it's, uh, it's more of a passion thing just because it's something I absolutely love. So it's um, funny, like that, that's, I feel the same way. I literally, I just got off, uh, I got off, but, uh, got done with, um, multiple emails from different publishers, right? So I've got like a dozen books, mm -hmm. uh, galleys. You know what a galley is? I didn't know what this term was. No. So I'm, not, I'm not being condescending. Yeah, A, a galley is uh, a copy of a book that's, um, that is mostly done uh you know that they'll publish it they'll they'll, they'll publish like a few hundred of them to send to different mm -hmm. people um it has to go through final edit so it might be tweaked a little bit but it's pretty much the final product well before it comes out first galley i ever got was 10x is easier than 2x from ben hart nice. he's like i'm gonna send you a galley i'm like what i googled it they're like oh it's a book <laughs> i'm like oh okay oh yeah yeah yeah. send me that galley so now i know the term yeah. i feel like an industry insider but i've got uh -huh. like six or seven different galleys actually one of them is a book that's coming out from Simon and Schuster called Hold on it's it's funny we were just talking about this uh Canceling of the American Mind Canceling of the mm. American Mind is the name of the book uh the subtitle on it is uh Cancel Culture Undermines Trust Destroys Institutions and Threatens Us All but there is a solution that's the book so nice. I love talking to these people and I yeah. say to people when they ask about podcasting like how do you come up with your questions I'm like honestly I I don't care what the audience wants to hear I've done that, yeah. and I still do from time to time. I, I care a little bit. It's a weird dance when you're podcasting. It's like you're having a conversation, and you know people are listening. So when I say I don't care about what the audience wants to hear, that's not fully true. Yeah. But it's like if I read this book, and there's a concept that he introduces in the book, let's say, that I now have just learned, and then I were to talk to this person, I'd go right to the concept. There wouldn't be any need to like unpack the concept first. So when, mm -hmm. when, I, when I got on a podcast, I might unpack the concept first, right? Just, okay, yeah. there are people listening and then go into it. But for the most part, like say 80% of the interview is just, I'm just curious. I just want to learn this for yeah. me, right? I think yeah. those make the best podcasts. So kudos to you for one, doing it long form. I love long form podcasts. I love these types of interviews. Uh, and two, for just allowing yourself to follow your curiosity without the pressure of growth. Watch, yeah. it'll grow just because you're not putting any pressure on growth, you know, yeah. it's going to, you're going to start so. to see audience yeah. growth. Yeah, you will. You will. I mean, I, I, part of me would like to do this in an evening too, and just like have a, have a glass of scotch here just to kind of help me shed any of those concerns that I may have of listening. That's but I mean, at the dads. same point, you, you want, yeah. dr that's the drunk dad's podcast. That's the <laughs> Yeah, I don't need that. That's not, that's not the, yeah, that, that might be a uh, 2.0. Yeah, we'll, we'll drunk see. Dads. Yeah. No kids listen to that one. That's drunk dads yeah, version 2.0. You can have a whole, a whole library yeah. of dad podcasts. So that's funny. Yeah. And I actually just had, I mean, I've only released at the time you and I are recording this, um, only two podcasts released, but, um, you know, somebody that uh, um, has some, I think it's called the Dad Academy. He reached out to me. He's like, hey, you know, I, I just, I saw your podcast. Love to chat. I was like, well, that's just, 
that's that's cool. Like somebody just reached out to me about my dad stuff, you know. So Dude, when I you're mean, niche, I, man, when there's a buddy of mine that's got a podcast in the political space, and it's it's a good mm-hmm. sized podcast, but he's got a day job. It's just something he does on the side. Yeah. He has Jake Tapper coming on, Luke Russell, nice. um, jeez, you know, like Megan Kelly, like yeah. just because he's in a political a political mm-hmm. arena, right? Like it's it's there. I, I've gotten amazing authors. Uh, to come on simply because we, you know, we're about speaking to entrepreneurs, right? About being yeah. the best versions of themselves, right? So I just had, you know, Sebastian Younger. Do you know that name? Uh, I don't know. He wrote the Perfect Storm, the book, okay. the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he also wrote a book on tribe. He wrote a book on freedom. Um, he he uh, he followed. Uh, he followed. He wrote another book called. Um, I think it was called War. They're all like one. They're quick to like two hour listens on on Audible, uh, and they're really good. He's all of them are New York Times bestsellers. In fact, Perfect Storm was a number one New York Times bestseller. I think Tribe mm-hmm. was too, but a lot of them were based on him being a wartime correspondent. He he like he 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 was embedded with the Northern Alliance prior yeah. to nine eleven against the Taliban, like as a wartime reporter in that mm-hmm. regard. He studied soldiers coming home from war and how um, he makes the comparison between. Soldiers coming home with, and then PTSD being lack of tribe. Whereas you see, like yeah. uh, Native American Indians, when they came home from war, there was not mm-hmm. PTSD because there was a very strong tribe. And yeah. even references specific people that come home from war, where five brothers were all in war, they all live pretty close to each other, and none of them struggle for long with PTSD mm-hmm. because they have a tribe. It's really, but anyway, a guy like that reaches out to me. Right, I got a new book coming out. I got I got reached out to by his publisher, Penguin Penguin Random House. Right, like, yeah. hey, Jamie, we'd love to get him on Tribe of Millionaires. His book is Tribe, and da 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 da. You know, whatever. So That's it's cool. really you'll see a lot of that. You'll see dads reaching out, like like well known dads or guys that like to talk about fatherhood reaching out mm-hmm. to be on the show because of what you're putting out. Well, I hope so, and I hope that it, uh, and I pray that it, it it has an impact in some lives and some you know. And again, that I could steal some fantastic ideas from people and <laughs> become a better father because of it, right? Become a better father yeah, and, yeah. and business owner. Um, and I mean, what that's, that's, that's beautiful. What else, what you're what doing else for can I do? Kids. You know? Yeah, but that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. Not like that beard. Yeah, I, the beard's not so beautiful, but the rest of what you're doing. Listen, listen here, beautiful. fella. All right. Now, now you want to talk PTSD. It's about to come out. We're about to have some issues. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you know with, with with adpi that's one thing that we talk about is um uh a lot of people you know you talk about ptsd you talk about problems with that type of stuff coping different things like you when you lose that tribe when you lose that that target that mission that goal that focus um that's when things start to go awry right so we're, we try to you know as people are transitioning from the military like if we can give you a new focus your new focus is to take care of your family build financial freedom and grow something right so if we can help that be your focus and now you're starting to look at those types of things around a bunch of other you know like-minded military members who are you know military members veterans their families who are all understanding of where you are where you've been what you're doing like that is that is that tribe that community of people that you can grow with and help you become a stronger person and um, hopefully yeah. prevent those, you know, 22 veterans a day from committing suicide. Like we don't like, I mean, that's a, an asinine statistic um, yeah. that, uh, that, you know, if we can, if we could step in front of that, that's kind of one of the goals, right? Um, not just financial freedom, like financial freedom is one of the, one of the targets, one of the goals, but it's not, I mean, it's, it's to, to keep people around. Like, I mean, we need moms and dads to hang out with their kids and, and be around. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I'll, I'll have to definitely get the the tribe uh, tribe book. That one intrigues me. You know, as a yeah, it was really really good. And then you'll want to Afghanistan. So 
You know, well, there was a book before that war that he did that, but he, or actually, I'm yeah. sorry, he chronicled that in a different book. Tribe is a little older. Freedom is the newer book, but they play off of each other. So tribe, mm-hmm. freedom, Sebastian, it looks like Junger, J-U-N-G-E-R. It's younger, but, um, uh, but yeah, his books are real and they're so easy. They're like, listen, this podcast is longer than listening to the book. Okay. Yeah, especially since I listened to it at like three times speed. So, well, that's what I mean. Through. I meant at like 1.5 or two speed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, when I'm riding my uh, lawnmower around mowing my lawn, is when I usually burn through a book or two because it's just, yeah, give, gives sense. me something to do. Gives me, I finally get to sit down and, you know, be, be in my own thoughts as opposed to everything else. So, but I'll, uh, I'll have to put those down because usually they're all self-help type of stuff. So this would be good to kind of step away from some of yeah. that and get a little yeah. bit different there's still flavor. Some, there's a self-help element to it. I mean, you'll, you'll be able to extract knowledge from it, but yeah, it's yeah. not directly self-help, right? Yeah. So that 10X is easier than 2X was a phenomenal book. What did you think about that one? Uh, it's incredible. I read it, uh, what, months before it came out. So I feel privileged. Mm-hmm. The, the, the idea in it that and like I said, the carnivore diet's an aspect of this, like this Pareto's principle, 80-20 rule, right? Yeah. Like I go carnivore, that, that's my 20, as opposed to, hey, I eat all this stuff, but not these things. But when mm-hmm. I went with my 20, all of the 80% of results I wanted took care of themselves, right? Like that's, yeah. that was the big lesson from it. And, and looking at my day-to-day, you know, honestly, like I, I mentioned everything I have. I have the podcast, I have this, I have that. Normally, I would have explained my, my world as like kind of lining those up next to each other. Mm-hmm. I have a podcast over here. I have a merge over there. I've got uh, quantum capital over here, right? I've got all these different things. But I'm lining it up in this way to say the, the, the 20% activity is podcasting. I spend, dude, I spend hours a week, probably 30 or more, either trying to get great guests because I'm just fascinated by certain people mm-hmm. or studying those guests. I read, I read their books. I listen to their, their, uh, to different podcasts that they're on. I do a lot of research for each interview, but that's really my 20 being in that space of podcasting, but trying to uh, trust and allow for turning pro, if you will, kind of like he talks in the book about his son going for college tennis, but then the 10X mm-hmm. is, well, let me just go right to pro, like that yeah. move, because it just narrows what you can do. That's what I mean. Like, well, I want to I want to build X, so then I could do a lot of things. But when I say, no, I want to, my vision, my state of vision right now is, that, is to create a platform that's valuable enough for presidential candidates to request to be on it. That's, my, mm-hmm. that's what I want to do, right? Um, just because presidential candidates are, you know, they're, they're, they're the tip of the eye, they're the, to the top yep. of the spear, right? Like, I don't care yep. if they're good, bad. It's not about that. But just that tells you if they're saying, okay, I got to be on Rogan, I got to be on Jordan Harbinger, I got to be on Lex Friedman, and I got to be on Jamie Gruber's podcast. Like, that's when I, I feel like I, I will have achieved my vision. That's a but to get vision. there, to, right, to get there, though, I, you know, I've got to put some stuff down that might be making me money. Mm-hmm. I got to set things aside in order to really achieve that vision. So that's a scary thought, but that's what that book is teaching me. And I've been fortunate to build a relationship with Ben. So we've talked a few times about it and he's asked questions. Like I've got like one-on-one coaching almost from him, you know? So nice. it's, um, it's pretty cool. I, I think it's, I think it's highly impactful. You, you get the same, same sense yeah, of it. I, I, I thought it was awesome. Um, uh, it made me, I mean, it was one of those that riding the lawnmower, I had to stop like 15 times and take notes real quick to try to like, remember to talk to, talk to Marky on about like, Hey, I, I'm curious. What do we think we could do in the business to do this? Or how do you, you know, what, what kind yeah. of things do we think we need to cut? And like, everything's on the table. Let's discuss what it is that we need to really get rid of. And same thing with my personal life and what I'm doing in my, you know, my personal businesses. And what do I like? Um, uh, to me, this is impactful having these conversations. So there's no way I'm getting rid of these at this point, you know, especially after reading that, yeah. uh, you know, it's like a, um, even if this doesn't end up being, which hopefully it does, ends up you know bringing me in money, but it 
it means something to me, right? So I'm yeah. going to keep chasing it because it means something, hopefully, to my kids. So, uh, um, but I mean, it, it. I want to listen to it again and again at this point, just so I could really kind of narrow in my thoughts on on that. Uh, and I've always looked at that that Pareto principle, the eighty twenty, and try to figure out what it is I need to get rid of. But um, the way he the way he words it and the, the yeah. way it was described in there, you know, he just has a way of kind of putting it in your face in a different manner of just than than just like separating the eighty twenty. It's just like really kind of making it real for you. So. I'll send you a yeah, uh, a workbook it. a guy in my pod came up with for that. He literally took like all the questions out of the book, out of each chapter and the key concepts, and we went through it as a pod. Like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll email it to you after this, uh, after we're done. That's awesome. I may have to do that with our pod then. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. It's, uh, and for those of you, it, like if you're, if you're listening and wondering what the heck a pod is, right? Well, if you're listening, you're probably in GoBundance anyways, because that's a majority of who I've interviewed thus far. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I mean, like getting yourself um around a group of people who make you better like that you want to strive to be like right that want that want you to become a better person right if <laughs> when you're around a group of people that want you to be better than you are right now not out of like oh you're just a pile of garbage like you should be better like no like out of sincere desire for growth in each other like these pods are like second to none on that type of thing you know and if if you find the right pod find the right group of people um who is it that said it? I always forget the, you are the five people you hang around with most, right? Uh, I say that on almost every Jim interview, Rohn. Jim Rohn. Yep. Um, so yeah. it, if you're not finding the right five people to be around, then you're probably not doing, doing what you are capable of doing, right? Get yourself around yeah. five people that will bring you to the next level. Um, that was one of the reasons I joined GoBundance. It was, it, it, you know, I always want to be the poorest and dumbest person in every room I walk into, uh, joining GoBundance helped me do that. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, well, yeah, you talk yeah, about tribe, that's, that book tribe. tribe, right? So Sebastian Younger in the book, he talks about through his research that there are essentially three, three human needs for happiness. The first is to, uh, to be competent in what you do, competent in what you do. The second is to be authentic. We talked about that. And the third is to uh, have the support of a community, a like-minded community. And he even talks about the correlation between uh, Men who have more financial success and rates of depression and suicide. There's an absolutely, uh, it, they, they go with each other, right? The, the more financial success you have, the more significant you make your life in that way, the more that you are depressed, the more that you have, unless you have those three things. Like you might already, you might be really competent with what you do probably for making money. You might even be authentic, but if you don't have a community to rely upon, then happiness isn't attainable in that model. And it's even more difficult when you're you're sort of an outlier amongst the population so mm-hmm. if you're a you know millionaire man for instance or an entrepreneur not like non-w2 millionaire real estate investor podcaster right like that's a very niche small percentage of the population yeah. you don't find other guys like that then yeah you you, you run the risk of feeling lonely dejected isolated mm-hmm. sad depressed all of that so that's what abundance has been for me. That's what any mastermind is, whether it's ADPI yeah. if you're if you're in the military or when we were in Jake and Gino. But in particular, GoBundance because of the avatar, right? It's you know have to yeah. have a certain net worth, got to be a guy. It's really really specific, and that's been that's been helpful for me to be around other men who I am intimidated by initially, and then you learn like, wow, these are just guys and they're vulnerable, mm-hmm. and then you can you can normalize what success looks like at a level you're trying to get to. It's yeah, I always say the same thing. Your pod is the average of your five people given to you, essentially. Yeah. So I'm with Which you. is phenomenal. Um, 
and hopefully everybody can go and find something like that even if you're not in GoBundance, if you're not you know uh if not in that type of environment like you need to uh, surround yourself and I, I mentioned it a couple podcasts ago it's like find those five people for your kids too right because like you want your kids to grow up with with folks around them, right? Like that's one of the reasons I love Fanbundance is I can like bring my kids around that environment as well, and being around people who are trying to families that are striving to be better families, and you know, be closer with each other and have that that relationship. And um, you know, I'm putting my putting my son in certain golf things because I know that the golfers that he's around are better golfers than he is, so that he can get like see what this is like and see what it takes to do these things and strive to be better and you know have that healthy competition. And do you ever? Do you ever? <laughs> I wonder about this. I, I have this thing, like my kids, my older kids playing soccer and I have this, I don't know, this weird back and forth in my mind of like, don't let them win. Not always, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, play your hardest, not hardest, yeah. hardest, but like meaning me, you know, but I, I don't know. Do you, do you ever go through that? What do you do with that? Like I, I have found myself like, you know what? The right thing to do here is to absolutely show him like I can win any way I want to. So that mm-hmm. he then has to get better. Is that the wrong yeah. way to think? Um, I think that there's a you, that can go too far pretty quickly, right? Sure. To where yeah, yeah. they like become dejected over. and not want to, they don't, they just don't want to play because it's like it's no fun That's to play true. with dad anymore, right? So I think there's yeah. that edge of allowing them to win uh, enough to where they get that taste, but allowing them to lose enough to where they get that taste, right? <laughs> like That's a good point. you don't want yeah. to have the flavor of loss in your mouth. Um, but did you see how hard you had to work to win? Like, I never want to give them the win in what we're doing. Um, I would much rather have them earn the win and work through it. Um, and I, I think that seeing the effort that they're putting in, like when I'm playing soccer or playing basketball or playing golf or whatever it is, um, uh, I can I can throw the game, you know, and let them win. But I only want to do that when I see that they've worked hard enough to earn that there win. There you go. So that's like point. that's that's kind of the, the route that I look at it because I don't want them to become dejected and like you know yeah it's I, not even the win lose it's more like like um I can enhance their skills you yeah. know like if you're if you're if you were wanted to be a great basketball player and had a chance to practice with Michael Jordan you should take that chance right because yeah. you're going to be absolutely dominated but but boy by the end of that after you know ten twenty thirty fifty sessions practicing with Michael Jordan mm-hmm. now go back and play with your crew. And see yeah. what it looks like, you know. That's what I yeah. think of it as. Like you're playing against eight year olds, so yeah, not not let me go like full Will Ferrell kicking and screaming, <laughs> like not like that. But you know, I'm not going to make this easy for you. Yeah. I'm not going to just like, oh, yeah. good job, buddy. You know, I'm gonna I'm going to push a little bit. I'm gonna block your shot. I'm gonna I'm gonna dribble around. I'm gonna run past you sometimes, and just so you can run as hard as you can to catch me. And then sometimes I'll let you mm-hmm. catch me, and you know. So that's what yeah. I'm thinking, but yeah. I mean, and we'll, <laughs> we'll find out later in life movie. if they're, yeah, <laughs> there it is. Here comes more of it. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah, I, uh, I've got Adam in, uh, well, right now it's, it's summer, but, um, I've got him in, in three different golf leagues. Um, uh, one of them or yeah, one of them, he's basically the, the best player there. The other one he's, oh, so in two of the three, he's, he's pretty close to the top one or two. Uh, golfers in those but then there's another one where he's like number four or five right um and to me i think that's a good balance to where he he can feel the pain of what it is to have somebody beating them because they've put in more work and effort because i mean honestly the people who are beating him there they've they've 
they are on the golf course a lot more, right? They're there. They live on a golf course. We don't like they're practicing all the time. Adam's not, I want him to still be a, a kid and enjoy life and go out and do stuff and whatever. But, um, but you also know what it's like to be the best there because you have put in more effort than these folks and you've, you've had more practice. So now you can kind of, if I can juxtapose those two and say, how, like, what is it going to take to be better? If that's what you want to do is be the best in all three of your leagues, then we can do that. But it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of training on yeah. your part. If you're just enjoying, just wanting to have fun, but be competitive a little bit, then, then that's a different story. Then that's a, that's, that's a separate, um, a separate desire and a separate growth, growth track. So, um, but when it's when it's me and him though when it comes to golf i'm pretty sure he's gonna be beating me soon right like i mean i adjust his his scale like his distances and everything for for his age right um i've looked at the u.s kids golf and the junior pga junior league and uh the under armor golf and some various other things to kind of get an idea of what the the a good distance is for him and then i every time we go golfing i write down those distances and he tees off from those areas and he's he's going to be beating me before we know it because he's he's just wow. golfing a lot more than i am um so i'm yeah, looking sure. forward to to him kicking my butt and i think it was uh, it was i think it was tiger woods that i was reading about that he beat his dad for the first time on the golf course at 10 years old and never once lost to his dad again from that point wow um, just like at 10 years old, just yeah. completely never lost to his dad again. And I was like, well, I mean, that's, I mean, he's eight and, you know, has already has multiple birdies under his belt. He's um, uh, super well, good at golf. Look, you know, he's, he can. I, I don't know. I think Tiger Woods' dad was a pretty good athlete. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, I'm not. Right. I'm not. Right. So, I mean, I was uh, <laughs> a moderately okay athlete. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I have no idea to be honest with you. Was, I think we just lost this recording. <laughs> no, no, he was a good golfer, though. Yeah, he was a good golfer. Um, uh, I, I, I hate. I don't like you, Jamie. I don't know if I ever told you that, but I'm not a fan of you. <laughs> that Go wasn't on. a shot at your kid either. It was more like it was definitely yeah, a shot at me. Beating, yeah. beating an eight year old beating you is my my point. Is like it doesn't sound out of the realm of, of reason, you know. But anyway. <laughs> he'll beat you at golf. So no bring doubt. it on. No doubt. Yeah. I'm a terrible golfer, and I hate the game. <laughs> all right well fine then uh, yeah yeah all right well on that happy note man i uh really enjoyed having a good conversation with you you've i mean we're over two sorry. hours now um it was uh, uh this is the longest one i've had thus far so i appreciate you hanging on sorry. and having a chat no don't be i think it's great I'd, I'd love to have all of them go go more than two hours you know um just because i i enjoy truly enjoy these conversations um and you know getting to know you even on a deeper level and understanding some some thought process and hopefully Same. challenging yeah. some other people's ideas and um you know hopefully they they anybody that's listening is kind of walking away with uh, uh if nothing else a desire for a healthy conversation that can go back and forth and um you know while you and i may have agreed on on the majority of what we talked about there's still a a faction that immediately are not going to like either one of us. Um, uh, but hopefully they can still listen to us and understand where we come from and, and, you know, become better at communicating just by, just by listening to other, other, uh, ideas and thoughts. But, um, I appreciate your toxic masculinity. It was a pleasure to have, uh, that, uh, back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> but uh my pleasure, my uh, pleasure. yeah if, if if people want to reach out to you what's the best way for them to reach out to you how do people get a hold of you i mean you're everywhere yeah the, you tell them the best no way. that's i appreciate that so i love for people to tune into tribe of millionaires the podcast i'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very very passionate about what we deliver there uh, on social at the jamie gruber on instagram is probably the best spot so tribe millionaires millionaires podcast all platforms or uh at the jamie gruber on instagram 
Awesome. I should totally, like, I, it's funny. I, I was with uh, one of my partners um, in ADPI the other day and I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm never on Instagram. I don't really have any. Ace. No, you're, you're pretty, uh, you're pretty uh, out there on Instagram now. I said, oh, well, am I? Like, apparently my assistant has been pushing stuff out on Instagram, but I didn't ah. realize. I mean, I knew that she was, you know, doing social media stuff, but I didn't realize that I had, uh, um, a bunch of that stuff going out. He's like, no, you're pretty prolific on Instagram nowadays. I'm like, oh, well, sure. I don't know. I had no idea. So hopefully it's good stuff though. But all right, man. Well, you I appreciate right it, Jamie. Here. Thank you so much. It was, uh, it was an absolute pleasure. What are you looking it up right now? I am. I see you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there I is. Very good. It is. Um, it's active. But, Go ahead. I'm sorry. But good. good. I'll let no, you wrap. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but thank you again very much, Jamie. It was much appreciated uh, for you taking the time. And it was great to uh, have the cameos from both of our uh, both of our kiddos. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you the next time. Maybe we'll be sitting next to each other on a plane again, randomly on the way to a Go Bundes event. <laughs> Never know. Never know. Appreciate right, you, brother. Thanks for having me. Later, man. Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.